1: It's that energy, every single day, that just inbound driven energy to skate. Like Jake had it, Ronnie has it, you know, Pedro has it. And I grew up as a kid, idolizing like the thrasher way of life, the skateboard mentality, which to me is Skate and Destroy. And Jake was that, he lived and breathed that. And and this video is for him. Right behind Oracle Park,
2: I'm Schmitty, and this is Talking Schmidt. Today on the show, Jeff Rowley. In the history of skateboarding, there has only been 28 Thrasher Magazine Skaters of the Year. And in the year 2000 of our Lord, my next guest received this honor with flying colors. There was no doubters. There was no, hey guys, what about... No, Jeff fucking Raleigh. boom. Raleigh is credited with reintroducing the vulcanized skate shoe and he's been a staple to the success of Van's shoes since 1999. He had many covers and video parts. In my opinion, is one of the gnarliest pure skaters of his generation. And as he says here, the SOTY award didn't make him slow down. Quite the opposite of putting his skating in cruise control, actually.
1: I was just getting to know Jake. Like, just getting to know him as, like, a real person when he called me up and told me I'd one skate of the year. So my response was just straight, straight up the same as what I was trying to push through the mags. It's like, okay, you're going to give me the opportunity to freaking hammer it down. I'll go to town for you. I will put it all on the line from here on out. That's what it meant. You know? And I try to hold that. I really do. Like, I try to never ever take the easy route
2: you guys i've been uh doing a lot of internal uh work here at the barry street studios uh we just laid wallpaper down in the bathroom put up some shells you know we're tightening up the ship as p stone would say uh We're looking for some whack packers, you know. We got some inquiries about my comments about stealing some of Howard Stern's magic and creating our own sort of whack pack, or what McKenny is calling uh, the Schmidt Talkers. Uh, Email or DM me for details, but I'm looking for some creative, funny, interesting people to basically call in and be a part of the show from time to time. Uh, Tim and I will be starting to interview through Zoom, And so, having Zoom right now is the only requirement. Speaking of Tim, he and I are in negotiations with each other, and uh, we're developing a skateboard deck in his honor. Basically, it's that graphic Jeremy Fish made for him right as he kind of retired himself from skateboarding for a few years, and we're going to put it out. Um, We're close. So look for that in the near future. Speaking of Tim, again. Shout out. Shout out. We have two episodes of the new hit series, Tim and Eric, which is its own playlist on our YouTube channel. YouTube.com, epically trife, plug, plug. And it would mean the world to McKenny to see them numbers increase. So go over and watch it, comment, ask a question, Give some input and you know Tim will respond within minutes. Bet. In skateboarding world this week, did anyone see the Tony Hawk 540 with the full glass of milk? I mean, this guy just keeps going with unbelievable incredibility. Tony Hawk, big love. You know that. We had some new names getting awarded to the bottom of boards this week as well. Griffin Gass and Niels Bennett at Girl Skateboards, and the homie Julian Davidson, baby. Death Wish Skateboards, big love, Juju. And sadly, we lost another brother. Um, thoughts and prayers go out to the friends and family of Vincent Nava, who died in an automobile accident this past week. Super sad, people leaving way too early. Uh, Be careful out there, people. We need you all alive. Ending on a little more of an upbeat. If you lost connection to the internet and did not see it, holy fuck, Pedro Delfino lit it up with a high-octane Spitfire part this week, which was released the same day as Luis Lopez's Lola part from Cons. God damn. Damn, skateboarding's final stretch to Sodi has begun. After all, it is September, kids. Okay, well, I know you're all ready for this interview and pay close attention because during it, we will give details on how you can win a free pair of shoes from vans and a deck from Free Dome Skateboards. So if your mic is ready, Mr. Rally, lead us on in.
1: This is Jeff Rowley and you're listening to Talkin Schmidt.
3: It's cool, like tonight is the night.
1: Here we go again. Just give it the old cars try, not it? Our
3: big dog's in. Ninety six times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. We on, Smitty? Talking Schmidt. That's called going to little hospital, bitch. I be <laughs> shit in my pants. Man, your yeah,
1: Rolodex is fucking deep.
3: It's about right? the one, the one, the one. Who is this guy? Thinks he's
4: tough shit. What's up? We're tastemakers.
3: Come on,
0: Schmitty. What the fuck? I'm here for Greg Smith. Yay!
2: All right, podcast world, things are looking really good here. Uh, Last week, I had Frankie Hill on the show, and this week, I got 2000 Thrasher Magazine Skater of the Year, Jeff Rowley, kids. I'm fucking pumped on this one. Let's do this. How you doing, Jeff?
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. Frankie Hill last week. Yeah, you're following Frankie.
1: Yeah, he was great. I was stoked on Frankie Hill. Me and every other kid that wanted to jump off a roof.
2: Oh man, that's why I told him huge inspiration. I mean, Jesus Christ!
1: Oh, mama! Yeah, he no, gets forgotten too with that. You know, like the he does. He gets forgotten, like with because with, it was a long time ago now. That and he was so far ahead. He was so far ahead of the gnar, wasn't he? Yeah, like it was almost like the he was the first guy who put the like rocks on the ground kind of right. deal. Like, like yeah. really. Yep, went, what what would happen if I just stood up on a handrail and it's a hundred foot? What would just happen if I stood up and tried to go down it? And no I could do it and slide the bottom. He was that guy. Yeah. Right? Like he wanted to push that boundary and freaking hugely inspired by that. I think everybody was. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I talked to Duffy about it and he was just like, dude, he was like the guy like he put the fire yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah, he did. With like rails and gaps and stuff and like big when everyone was doing cavemans yeah like cave caveman slides yeah. and caveman 50 50s and like big board slides so first really first starting to do really big board slides right like on on actual handrails not just like little handrails or and uh yeah so he was he was definitely the first guy so sort of push the board slide like that I remember that one that just zipped out halfway that was long beach Beach Convention Center.
2: That's right. Like the 35 stairs or something.
1: 35 stairs or something, but he tried <laughs> it. What year was it? Did you ask him about that? Uh, what yeah. year? That must have been like
2: 1989? Uh, th- I think it was 80- 89 maybe, yeah. I think it was uh, maybe propaganda video or something. Yeah. He told yeah, the 89. story about it was insane. They went back to skate the 30 because he had done it without a camera. But the thing had like uh, workers on it. So they're like, yeah. oh well, thirty-five, you could probably get that. And for some reason, he had the jump ramp in his car, and he did. He said he tried it a bunch of times, and Pal still has the footage. He's like, they got to release the because he's like, I was getting close, but he's like, I walked away with no clothes that were reusable.
1: <laughs> well, it's because he probably had sweatpants on, cotton sweatpants. He red said he ones, was eating the green, green T-shirt. <laughs> like in my head, it's you know one of those military pal T-shirts and some yeah. like, red backbone sweatpants that were probably the same sweatpants that Thrasher makes right now, right? Oh, They're right. Pretty much the same deal, right? The same fit. Those things rule.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: but you've to cut them down, though, otherwise they get too hot. You have to cut them down in shorts, and then they rip. Can we
2: go back to the very early days for a little bit? I know you've covered probably most things in your life many times, but there's a couple of things I was curious about. I know you were born in Liverpool, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, born in the- uh, liverpool england about a mile and a half out of the city oh so i grew up kind of just south of the city center liverpool's kind of on a coast so i'm just on the south side of the city so okay. very close to, not far far from the center of the town
2: and did you grow up like a was soccer huge for you
1: oh my goodness i used to sleep with football uh. yeah my dad managed football teams his whole life my my uncle was a professional footballer who played for Derby County in England during the 70s, very, very, very well-respected defender. His name was Roy McFarlane. I, I grew up in, in a crazy, not job football family. Um, but, um, yeah, so I played, I played Sunday League, and I played for the school. And, uh, and, so, and the side of town that I grew up on you know, was that whole Beatles side of town where oh. every street name was in a Beatles song. Happy
2: road or whatever. It was
1: the same school as Lannan. You know, my dad went to the same school as Paul McCartney and that, and so that whole kind of like you know circle of influences kind of, was kind of like you know my biggest influence. So everything you see in those Beatles movies, you know, all the buildings in the background, yeah, that's all the Georgian architecture, which is uh, outside of London. Liverpool's got more Georgian buildings than anywhere else in the UK. So the Georgian period was all like the big ships, you know, all the and big just massive shipments started first come from Asia and places like that. They'd come into Liverpool. Liverpool is like historically and culturally extremely diverse. And it has a story, one of, you know, a lot of different communities of people having the real, real strong ties to the area, you know? So like the shipping trade, for example. Okay. You know? and, you know, so that's where I grew up, you know, beautiful, it's a beautiful places. You know, it's it's like every big city. It's got it's got rough sides and, and, and good sides to it. But the character of the city and the the way it looks and the people, I love them. I love it. Like I I, I uh I miss it. You know. Did,
2: did you have a favorite Beatle?
1: Yeah, musically, I liked John, right. But I, but I I also thought George Harrison was really talented. Yeah. And then that's it. I'm not a fan. Paul McCartney is incredibly. Good at melody, but I'm not a fan of him. I don't like his writing. I don't like his singing. But him with Lennon, like right, that was the Magic. that was the genius. Yeah. yeah. I also felt like before Lennon's life was taken and before he was shot by some, you know, uh, not healthy person, right? Um, I felt like he was going to turn around and you were going to see the side of music or that side of him that you hadn't seen. Because from my understanding, like he was really spending a lot of time working on his music at that point and he wasn't really influenced by politics or a lot of other stuff he, he, he was shifting back to being focused on music and uh, so I would have liked to have seen what was coming next.
2: Oh, we all would have.
1: And I, I reckon it would have changed the Sex Pistols and the whole nine yards of it because right. Lennon punk as fuck he was and uh, and, he, and he grew up in a rough area and he had a rough life and he was very creative and talented. That's the way I think. So he was my favorite field. I didn't yeah. like his political ties and the way that he attached too much of, you know, some of that to his music. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I, loved, I liked his music and his writing. And some of his, like, solo shit too. Some of the songs, the writing is exceptional in it, but the melody of it doesn't quite hit the McCartney side, right? Yeah. That's kind of like, but he wrote some really good songs. like, you know,
2: did you ever listen to the John Peel show when you were in Liverpool, when he was in Liverpool?
1: No, not really. Like when I, when I was skating, like I moved, I moved to the U S when I was 18. Right. And I started skating when I was 13 and I was seriously just, I only wanted to, I only wanted to skate and watch skate videos During the time that, like, when I really started to get into it, that's all I wanted to do.
0: Uh And
1: until I was like 16 years old or 15, 16, 17, like, that's when I really started to listen to music more, like, get it for myself. Like, I was always around the whole hardcore music scene. So I heard all of the Black Flag Descendants, Dinosaur Jr., that catalog of life. Like, I, I heard that growing up. Right. So I knew it all and like but I was too little to get into the punk shows that were happening. There was a big punk venue in Liverpool called Planet X. Howard Cook used to get in because they'd smuggle him in the back door. Mm. There's a photo there's photos of him at like slapshot shows just jumping into the crowd. He was probably twelve or something like that. Um you know, but I, I didn't I wasn't as connected to like his brother was super into all that kinds of music and the guys who worked in skate shops, Robbie Reed and all those guys that you probably know some of them singing around it. You know, some of them still they're totally skate skated their whole life and still managing skate shops and doing whatnot. I wasn't as focused on music as as, uh, as I was at a later age. I was more focused on learning tricks and watching the latest H video or, or or Powell video or Santa Cruz video to get me right. fired up. Okay. You know?
2: Yeah, I know that uh, when John Peel died, he uh, had that song uh, "You'll Never Walk Alone"
1: at his funeral. Oh, did
2: yeah. Yeah, I
1: know that's a big Liverpool, the uh, huh? It's a German pacemakers thing, right? That's yeah, it.
2: like the, they they played it at the Liverpool soccer games, right?
1: They played it at Liverpool games, and the crowd sings. It's kind of a song for the city,
2: huh?
1: Really? It's but what it's from is from the swinging sixties. Yeah. That's all it is. Liverpool is a huge hub in the swing of the '60s for music, right? And as a music hub, and a lot of like a lot of awesome bands came from there, a lot right. of influence from there, from you know, the Beatles and all of those Merseybeat bands. Yeah. But that's where it's from. Like the it's it's the generations from then that are now people's grandparents or parents, right, have carried it on because it's a song from their youth, and it means a lot. For somebody from Liverpool, it's a rough city, and it's a tough city, you know. And it's uh, it has a pretty high unemployment, teenage pregnancy, and you know, crime rate. it's got it has its issues like a lot of big cities do, right? And um, and so that's a song for you know, if you live there, to give you hope, right? It's a positive song, right? You know, will always be We'll always be at your side. Right, like that's what it means, like we're always together, like no matter where we're at. When you walk through a storm
2: Hold your hand up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of a storm There's a golden sky And the sweet silver sound of love
0: Walk on
1: all my tattoos and stuff are from like the second world war kind of stuff because my my grandmother and my grandparents are from that generation
0: uh-huh.
1: Right, and so it's like you can't help but care about your grandparents and what they went through or be pay attention or i paid attention to it and in fact to the point where i used to ask my grandmother i i had no idea that i would this was just not the thing to do don't ask somebody about the war i like, don't ask them somebody about like like combat like that without, you know, due cause or just prep for that, you know, one way or another. Uh-huh. And I used to ask like, tell me about the war. Tell me what you had to do all that. I used to push for it. But when she passed, like, I always remember that. I always felt like that generation, if they didn't stand up and fight on the ground and, and pull everything they had together within a very short period of time, her for that, I wouldn't be here. It's not my opinion. I wouldn't be here right. if they had stood up and got the work and protected the island, you know, and, and manned whatever thousands of civilian civilian boats on the south coast within twenty thirty thousand, whatever they did, it, they did it. That kind right. of movement, that generation stood up and did it, right. And so, um, like when she passed, that I got like the target tattoo for my dad, so that he knew that I supported his mother. Uh. Right, so that's kind of what it is. But yeah, that's a song for the city for sure. I and mean, it, it plays at Liverpool games too. And it's on the Iron Gates at the front of Liverpool Football Club. Oh, okay. Right across the old Iron Gates, it says you can't have a "Walk Along." Like the way across it. Eighty nine, even remember it was. 89, it was. Anyway, there's a huge like uh, um, football disaster. People died They over. They like a, over a,
2: a stampede or whatever. Yeah, it was it was a it was, a, it was a,
1: a a game between the Italian team and Liverpool and they were they were one of the best teams in Europe at the time and Liverpool was one of the best teams in England at the time, so it was a big game. And the and the, uh, the police allowed or they allowed more people into the stadium than they should have.
2: Oh shit. And
1: pushing people at the front, a lot of kids, old people and and people that were right at the front that had been there got crushed against the fences and, and died. And, quite a lot of them died and they killed. It's called a Heysel Stadium disaster. One of yeah. my friends was, uh, one of my friends that played for my team, my, my uh, um, Sunday league team was in that crowd and died at that, right? And like, you know, so I went to his funeral and his name's like engraved on the front of the Liverpool Football Club Stadium, you know, of all the people that lost their lives and that. Right below the You'll Never Walk Alone thing, so it just hits hard. that does to answer the question answer the that question that's like a personal local song that resonates that's
2: the song you used in uh yeah, what it, was it? Old, sorry old or video. something yeah really sorry or something how did you initially meet Lemmy like what was the relation like in the beginning relationship was it through vans or like some promotional thing or like escape
1: huh
2: escape contest uh, escape
1: contest yeah in Germany oh in Germany one of the I think it was Dortmund contest. Um, they were playing that night in in Dortmund the night of like, or the weekend of the skate contest. So Lamy came to the contest to watch it. He came to the skate contest to check it out because mm. he had a big, probably he, he had a big, um, he had a show in a different part of the same venue that weekend, I think is what it was. I'm trying to remember, it was a long time ago, right? The, the details of it. Basically yeah. he went to he went to the contest in germany he was playing next door or in the same building or down the road i can't remember right and i came to check it out because he'd never seen this skate contest and what else are they going to do when they get off the tour bus when they're playing in five hours or something so he came in and i remember walking up to him just talking to him i just walked up to him and said hey i'm jeff like, it's pretty rad that you came here you know stoked that you're here what do you think like, yeah like that's how when i first met him
2: I think um, you. I think you lined up uh, Jake doing that. Ask the Felper interview with him. Yeah, dude, that yeah. was that was a, that yeah, was such I, a I, highlight I, for Jake. Like that was the one time where I saw Jake where he might have been a little nervous and fanning out. Yeah. Like he's like, "Well, hey, I interviewed
1: Lenny Paul Thrasher Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I asked the, the last question. I had was I was sweating. <laughs> My last question on that is Have you ever had sexual relations with a man? Because oh. I, I read everything on the internet about interviews that they've done with him. And I'm thinking, I'm going to interview Lemmy. i got to interview Lemmy. Right? Yeah. i got to ask him some questions. I didn't have a lot of prep time for it because Lemmy just says, Yeah. He used to just say, Yes, I'll do it. When do you want to do it? Thursday, let's go. I and mean, then you have to get there Thursday. Oh, shit. Right? Like, so he was pretty sick like that. And, um, and it did happen like really, really fast, like that. So I had to prep real quick and go, shit, I got to write questions to, to ask him. I was sweating on that like, The whole interview went fine. I'm like, this, this is fine, like, easy. He's, he's, he's a person, he's answering like a person. And the last question, I just thought, this could go left field right now. He could just go fuck you. Yeah. He could just, you're right. And uh, and I wasn't really drinking at the time, I don't think. And he made me drink uh, a few shots of whiskey. The the Get the liquid he, courage. Before he'd allow me to interview him. That's <laughs> right. Ah. <laughs> so that I wasn't sharper than him. He's smart, right? Yeah. Um you learn those little tricks, right? If you've been interviewed four hundred thousand times. Ah. But yeah. No, he handled it. No, I, I take a Greg, like really like the whole the whole time. She's you've heard of the cabin with the Beatles, right? It's a famous yeah. That they played at. Yeah. Let me take the train from North Wales as a teenager, right, to Liverpool on the train, and take a bus, blah blah blah, blah, to get all the way to Lime Street, and then he would walk from there through everywhere where we where we all skate now, or grew up skating, and go all the way to the cabin, and he'd walk past like two doors away from where the first skate shop was. Right, so when he when Lemmy told me that story, yeah, I used to go to Liverpool. I used to walk up that street, and that street, and yeah, I know exactly where you'd go. And he, he told me all that.
0: It's amazing. And, uh,
1: he loved those bands, and he loved, he really liked the Beatles. You know, and he was a Beatles fan. We worked with them on band stuff and other stuff. You know, throughout that time. But mostly, you know, we, we worked on them with bands because we did a lot of band shoes, my shoes, but they also did a lot of slip-ons and skate highs and. You know All the war stuff was happening at that time a lot too. So, all of those bands that were, you know, from that generation, but like were maybe more of the icons from that generation, yeah, they were the ones that were, you know, people were re remembering them, right? Kind of like a new generation of kids was finding out who, who, you know, who Judas Priest was, yep, right? Like, and uh, and and more appreciative of that music than before, which is sick. The 90s, right? Like, it took. You know that some of those '80s rock bands that were struggling through the late '80s into the early '90s, and it helped it, it levelled them out. Motorhead is always is always super thankful for that, because it does like skateboarding, it does understand what skateboarding is, it does think it's cool and punk, and it yeah. one of, it, it does it does resonate with its music, right? So they they understood that you know those that community needs to be together. And so they were, they've were they always been awesome to work with, but we did a load of shoes with Vans. We did like 10, 15 different motorhead shoes for Vans, like with some of my signature shoes, but with skate highs, with, with slip-ons, with, with old schools. And then Lemmy, these are, if anyone can find these on eBay, it's sick. Lemmy did some for um, for a charity. He hand-drew some like little jokes and wrote some stuff on napkins and stuff like that, and they put them on some shoes. Oh. And it was for a... They, uh, I think it was for a children's, if I remember right, a charity, maybe from the UK. I actually lined it out. I knew the person that was at the charity, and they reached out to me. And they'd already had, like, Paul McCartney on there, Bob Dylan. Like, like I worked – you know, I stayed in touch with them. Yeah, so yeah. It good. and he wrote, know, it, I,
2: he wrote a song for you, right?
1: He wrote a song for, for – for, for a video. For video uh, at a much later date. Um, you know, uh, and, and and they've always just opened up their music to me, on a dime. Right. right. So they're around people to work with. The management was awesome. You know, um, they did a big thing with Lakai too, not that long ago. Riley Hawk.
2: Oh yeah. Right? Nice. Yep.
1: Yeah. Like you know, and they they called me up like, "Is Lakai legit?" Is it legit? You yeah. Know, Riley Hawk's legit. It's like, I'm like, yeah, it's legit. Like oh, yeah. the great Riley's rap. You know, huh. you should do stuff with them. Um, but we were, we were planning a Vans drop kind of at the same time, uh, so we had to look at the calendars because otherwise it would have been like, okay. I doesn't know, Vans didn't know, and the two collections dropped the same month or within like three months, So uh, I had to navigate a little bit of that because we were planning on doing a big 40-year Ace of Spades kind of deal. It like was an idea of doing some like product around that because it was 40 years of Ace of Spades 2020, yeah. which is true. Um, So I communicated with them quite a lot on that, so that no one got, so that we never ended up doing anything, like bands never ended up doing anything um, during that period, they just didn't line out, and then, you know, the I did all of their apparel and stuff like that with them. They were great to work with, truly, just, you know, rad management, that was one of the major reasons, Greg, like why I stayed in touch with them, like, that whole time. Like I was friends with, you know, with their management, you know? Steve Luna, who was um, responsible for getting Lemmy to his, his interviews, and responsible for getting him places on time, He's responsible for making sure that he had what he needed for any scenario. Right? Um, he lives in Long Beach, and I became oh. pretty good friends with him and his okay. wife, his family. They're great people, and so that's how the relationship went. And then their manager, um, um, their manager is a guy named Todd Singerman, and. Uh, and Lemmy trusted him, and that's in music, right? Like Lemmy trusted him, but Todd's has been a man of his word, and uh, and he lives in Whittier. Probably, last oh shit! He lived yeah, so we stayed in touch. You know, it's always I mean, even when Lemmy passed, you know, like we stayed in touch about, you know, what we can do, you know, what we can do to help the estate, help the things that Lemmy had, and all of those kinds of things. How do we get handled?
0: Mm.
1: Right. He had some amazing stuff, and I, oh, I yeah. haven't seen vlog where it went. Any, you know, he has. The, he had a lot of artifacts.
2: Yeah, he things, was a collector, right?
1: He had things he picked up along the way, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and um, you know. So I was, I was. You know, I stayed in touch with him, trying to be as helpful as I could. Also, like that legacy of that band, right, and the association with skate. It's it has a history with it, you know. Heavy. I'm sorry to say, but half of the trash logos are influenced by it. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, it was Jake's right. favorite. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and the it mentality. was either Motorhead or ACDC.
2: Those were the those were the anthems.
1: If you look into it, you look into it. You look at the writing; it's articulate, right? The stories the, the songs were written written like that. It's poetry. Right. But then the, the way that they're delivered, you just think of it as a oh, loud rock and roll. It's, a, it's more than that with Judas Priest and with, with Motorhead and the Black Sabbath. Isn't it? Like that. Like I always felt like that shit. And, um, For sure. I so I just want to help keep that dream alive because I'm selfish. That's sick, dude. W-
2: what was your first sponsor? Was it something out there in
1: England? Uh, my first sponsor was actually a board company that my friends made up. Oh really? And we made our own boards. It was called Apple Orchard. It had oh. little Apple core logos on them, which actually looking back was a pretty fucking sick little logo. Uh. But my friends those we made a couple of T shirts. We made these like handmade screened shirts. Um, that was the first time, like first boards that I did. And then after that it was my so first board sponsor was uh, Deathbox. It was my first board sponsor. Oh, okay. See. Yeah, my first shoe shoe sponsor was Airwalk. Uh huh. My first rock sponsor. You were going, a right? I'm I think. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Um, you know, but it was just flow. You know, on that and, uh, and yeah, but that was it. I think. Were you getting boxes
2: sent to England? I got going boxes sent to England. Did you? Yeah. That's yeah. a pretty
1: big deal, right? Like I as mean, a kid are you You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. I do remember that. And, um, and, uh, yeah I remember making that making those calls, ah. but exactly I, I uh, it was terrifying. Huh. Right? Like I was like thirteen years old, or something like that, and calling up to say, Hey, oh, I need some truck. I need some trucks. Right. You know, and you understand my accent because I'm from way north you know, northwest coast. And my accent's all gravelly and freaking a mess. Um, yeah, I remember Like, you'd have to really prep when you'd call and go, okay, and to look at, because England is, you know, eight hours ahead of the US. So i always have to call early in the morning. And if I got a vo- back then there was no cell phones, right? So you'd get a voicemail, you'd leave a message for the team manager, and maybe a package would show up in two months. Hmm that was it yeah it's taken a while that was kind of it right after I moved here like the sponsors that I picked up were just uh, people I started skating with and stuff like that Uh you know people who I
2: who were some of the guys that you were like innovators that fired you up like you were looking up to as role models like uh, oh maybe your first photo you put on a wall or a video part you couldn't keep out of the VCR
1: we went from video to video, and each time the video influencers there, I'd look back at that guy and we look back at their stuff to learn a bit more. We only had a, we only had a look into a pro skater's life, right? Like, I what, saw a few pictures of Barrett dressing, right? Like, in the mag, and right. then like a couple of video parts. But prior to Speed Freaks, right? Like, that you hadn't seen dressing Skate Street like that. Right. And when I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like how I want to ride in the streets, yeah, like that. Right, so it, it shifted from different guys, but very first it was, was Mattis. Um, it, it was the very Danny way, like almost synonymous, like the same time. Okay. Because like, I saw, you know, the early, first video I saw was Savannah Slamath 3, and I thought I watched the whole video, and years later I thought I watched the whole video. I only had a recording of half of the video. So I missed half of the video. That was such a and, big video. And there's so many guys in it. Yeah. So if you've never seen anything else of them, you've never skated before you don't know their names. You're learning the names through Savannah Slammer. Like, oh, shit, that's what Corey O'Brien looks like. Right? Like, that was that for a lot of kids like me that didn't see him come up because I, live co- I lived in a, a different country. Uh-huh. Um, right? So, but it was, it was, it was Natas first. Because when I put the skate video in the house, my mother liked it if that was on. Because she was like the blonde surfer, dude. She was okay with what, having that on the screen. Uh-huh. right? Same with Roscoff. She was good with Roscoff being you know, <laughs> on the screen.
2: <laughs> she liked the surfer, guys.
1: Seriously, I used to watch Roscoff's parts. Because I could sit there and watch a skate video, and my mother would let me.
0: Ah.
1: Like, some, the music was like too loud while she was doing the dishes or whatever she was doing in the house when I was a kid. And I've watched them so many times, Greg. I've, I've watched, I've watched a video, rewind it, watch it again, rewind it, watch it again, rewind the trick, watch the trick again, rewind it 85 times. Then the trick never plays good again. And that was me, you know. I loved skate videos, and like, I loved watching them. And I was the kid that slept with his board, and again, mm. like, once I woke up, it was fire. You know, that was it. So Nat's uh, sorry Nat's first because he was the first guy I saw do street skating that. I could relate to, like I looked at it and went, "Oh, he's jumping off of, uh, you know, a wall that's five foot high, doing a spin." Like I couldn't do that, but like I see walls around my house that you could do that, or around the yeah. that, that where I live,
2: or the curb gap. You know,
1: so I think for a lot of kids, that's that was the first draw to Nas, was that he he had a really good video part before anyone. A lot of people did, so he was the first on on the street that you know had it all kind of thing. It looked like it was a complete package. So, I had a NAS Kitten board. I had two Corey O'Brien boards. Corey O'Brien was my um, second and third board. I had two in a row. Huh. First board was a Toxic Team, but that was because there was only two boards in the skate shops to choose from. They uh-huh. had a uh, Skull Skates Dead Guys and a Toxic Team model. And that were the only boards in the skate shop. Oh, called Pro Record. And, uh, so, I, not knowing and being a little kid, I didn't want the blackboard with like white, black and white photos of guys' heads that I didn't even know. I knew Elvis. I don't think I knew Gigi Allen at the time or whoever else was on it, right? <laughs> uh, Sid and Nancy or Sid or something <laughs> like that. I didn't know that. Then. Yeah, I knew yeah. Sid was, 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 was even at that age. But um, it, the call for graphic. And then, then I had a Corey O'Brien, then another Corey O'Brien, then like a Max Kitten. And then I really wanted a Danny Way. But during the time I had those first built boards, I wanted that Danny Way. I just couldn't get it. Yeah, so that's what I, I, that were my first boards. You asked me about influences, like, dude, like dudes I was psyched on at first. Right. They, they were the few, really. And then, and then it went to Dresson. I had a Dr- Eric Dresson cup size, the white one, which is a Dogtown board. Oh, yeah, I had a
2: bunch of those.
1: You can see I was influenced by like that those dudes early earlier on, like went before you know, before I rode for Santa Cruz. And um, you know, I was into Cardiel when he wrote for Dogtown. too. Oh, like, yeah. But it wasn't me, it's was friends of mine, like, dude, you're so sick, go see this dude who rides for Dogtown. Same with Markovich, when Markovich rode for Dogtown. Oh yeah. I yeah, early on, I remember looking at him, going, fuck, I want to see him skate, like the photos, he looks bad, ah, looks like a good right. skater.
2: My friend did Markovic's first graphic. It was my friend's first graphic that he ever did, and he's like, oh, I did a Dogtown graphic, it's this dude named Markovic, and I yeah. was like, ah, oh, never heard of him, And but since he did the graphic, we looked into him, we're like, oh, that dude's fucking good.
1: Yeah. It's like, where I lived, we didn't have a lot of skate shops. Right, so I didn't see a lot of graphics. I did when I needed to get a board. You knew what was in the shop because you were in the skate shop every couple of days, looking at the boards, wishing you had money to buy a board. So when you right. finally had money saved up and you know got close to like, ah, I wonder, I need a little bit more. My mom will give me a little bit more. I can squeak a board this weekend. going to get a your board this weekend? Maybe just begging your mother. Ah. Um, so most of the time I was prepped because there was no like, hey, I want this board and the shop would order and it's there in two days like you can have right now, you know? So there was a lot of stuff I wanted and couldn't get. Like I was a fan of Scott Oster. Oh, like yeah. I liked his skating. and um, Style. And, uh, but I was, um, yeah, influenced by those dudes more than, more than most. And then Julian Stranger during that period too. So when I was really get like liked watching Dress and then, uh, that style of kind of like street skating when I started to see like um, Speed Freaks and those kinds of videos. and Julian skating with an Yeah, but you don't, you only ever saw like snippets of Julian with a yeah. like, video and stuff like that. And you went, I need to see Julian Stranger skate." Uh huh. And you had to wait for like Reason for Living to come out. And then he just teased you. Right? Yeah. And you saw Reason for Living. You went, that's the best video part. He just rode down the hill and I'm juiced up and he just rode down the hill. Yeah. Like, now I really need more. Like what the fuck, you know? a kid here, like give it to me. Drop in on the ramp and show me that shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I was fired up by that. Like I'd watched Reason for Living Park because you remember Nats had come in and cross over him, right on the same hill, bombing it. That yeah. bit of it and going to Nats's part, Yeah, that psyched me out. And it's funny that you see that shit and years later, you know, when I started skating with Ed. You know, started skating a lot with Ed, and I was on like a high level, and I was learning, learning, to skate did not skate the same at all. It's like that. Like that's what I. That's what I wanted. To, that relationship with the guys that I skated with.
2: Uh, you know,
1: to fire it up, like yep. you see in the videos, but on the street live, right, you know, at any moment. You know, so that that's got what got me. That like, just totally fired up.
2: Yeah, they fuck yeah.
1: Guys have it now, some guys have it now, you know? Like there's still guys that, that have that, not that skate like that, you know? Ronnie skates like that.
2: Yeah, Ronnie's sick. Delfino.
1: Yeah, Delfino because yeah, there's a ton of them. You know, a lot, of the, a lot of the guys that are just ripping the streets to pieces right now. All um, right. You know, have all the right DNA.
2: Keep it going, guys. I was gonna tell you, I don't know if I ever told you this, but you introduced me to Sebedo because your Uno part. I remember like the music was so perfect. And like back then we used to watch the parts that we liked over and over and over. And that song just boom, boom. There is history in this
0: place. There are dragons to be. you yeah.
1: either Ty or like Ted Newsom or somebody had that influence right in the I didn't the song it was an wow. awesome one it's a great band I listened to the band at the time but I didn't have any hand in, in putting that there right
2: yeah um, and he was in Dinosaur <laughs> Junior and it was like oh it was starting to like open up your eyes to like the indie music scene yeah like, like who's or like this?
1: more stuff could be there that's that good that you don't know about right. or that you make yeah. more into
2: it, yeah for sure uh huh yeah so I thought that was always really cool. Um, yeah, awesome man. I was also wondering when you first kind of grew up in skating, did anyone ever mix you up with Sean Goff?
1: No, no. Sean's he, he, way like the generation before.
2: But I the, name, say the, the well, name Goff and Jeff, cool like, man.
1: yeah, you're a cool man. And uh, no, shit, sure, he was a total ripper. But he, he, um, he was older than I was. He lived like down south. He's from kind of. Oxford area and so I never even seen him
2: we always joke within the friends We're like what if uh Jeff spelt his name backwards like Jeff the Fedge Hedges and it was faux edge <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's good maybe I'll we'll do that Jeff the faux edge roly I will tell you one story about those guys there was a Santa Cruz demo in the north of England mm. uh, went to it and I and I remember get, it was one of them demos you go to and as you're on the train it's already raining. Right? So I was going to see like the, the Santa Cruz team. Outdoors. Like a, so seven foot high metal ramp. So I'm right. just thinking this is gonna be insane. This is gonna be they're gonna be eight, eight inverts, they're gonna freaking be doing Madonna's and leads tails and and so yeah, but it rained the whole way on the train. We got the they showed up, the ramp was wet. Um, they ended up skating for about half an hour because it dried up for half an hour and then it rained again, but Klaus Grabke he gave me a set of wheels. I think Fedge was there. Grabke was there, Jeff Kendall was there, Tom Knox was there. Huh. The best time I ever saw a Nolly was that day. Sick. Tom Knox was warming up while the ramp was wet on the flat bottom, doing straight, hitting the nose down on the ground, doing straight up nose ollies. We were just looking going, He just stood on his board and what the fuck is happening? How can you make the ollie go forward (laughs) if your foot can't grip the front of the board? What the fuck? Yeah, freaked us out. Wow, was that like a genius? Oh shit! Like he was, and then he ripped, ripped the ramp like Tom Knox did. Like he looked, he skated like he did in the video. Ah, demo with the same skate, high vans, and like freaking. By gray shorts and a blue Santa Cruz shirt and shaved head. Yeah. You know, look. Tom Knox in a lot of people with that look.
2: For sure. Yeah. All the way out of Bakersfield. Yeah. Did, was that some of the early Americans that you saw in person in in England? Was the Santa Cruz guys or was it the Powell guys or who?
1: who- I sort of, in during the, you know, the few years that I was, Starting to travel. The first few years of skating, I didn't really leave the city because I was a little tiny kid, so I couldn't travel that far. Yeah. Um, but when I started to travel, when I was, I don't know, 14, 15, like, I travelled everywhere across the whole country, like, uh. all over, slept in bushes everywhere, anywhere, uh. on anything, it didn't matter.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah figured it out. We um, did that a lot, and uh, you know, so I, I, like where I'm, like Liverpool, where I'm from, like that skate scene is pretty good about. Wanting to go to skate contests, wanting to go to demos, wanting to go to new skate parks—like all the local skaters were sick. You know, all the guys I grew up with—they were always just wanted to go and do stuff, right? Like go and find a new spot, and like go go to another city that we've never street skated before, and just skate all over it, and get on the last train home, skate all the way home. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> on that, so um, you know, that's when I started like bouncing around. But it was only I saw a. Uh, we saw a Santa Cruz demo, um, you know, with Kendall, uh, Kendall, Tom Knox, Klaus Grabkey, and I think Veg too. I can't remember. There was one or two other dudes there. Uh-huh. And then uh, a Hage Street Life demo. Oh. Sean Sheffy, Colby <sighs> Carter, Ron Allen. I think that's game changer. Um, Colby Carter was sick, and uh, Sean Sheffy, Animal. Gave me a t shirt. you want to see the t shirt?
2: Yes, you still <laughs> got it. So
1: sick. Wow.
2: Damn. What year? Through Before
1: life even started, before the life video came out. So, that's it must so be right sick, way. you One still have video. it. Yeah, it's a size large. He gave it to me. I remember he gave it to me. I'm, oh my God, that's the sickest shirt. And I was the smallest kid you've oh, ever dude. seen in the world. I needed an extra, extra small. So I didn't wear it, I kept it new. Until I moved to the US when I was 18 and stayed in my parents' house. And then last summer, um, no, sorry, about five years ago, I brought it back and it's been in my closet since then. I wore it once and skate. I shot a photo with a Acosta from my Thrasher interview. Uh, no, thr- it was a skateboard mag uh-huh. interview. Um, wearing it and sent it to Sean to trip him out. He just goes, What? You gave me that Sean when I was 14 years old, many, many years ago? And here it is right now in Mount Baldy doing a (laughs) kickflip. Dude, that's uh,
2: amazing.
1: That was a demo I went to. So I I saw Sheffy, and then, you know, a couple of years after that, I saw um, uh, there was a Plan B demo. Oh. Plan B. So I saw Mike Carroll, um, Rick Howard, and... on that demo, and who else was there from be? I can't remember. Was and Danny another, there? Or no? Another demo was um, I saw Alan Peterson. This is the, this is a good one. Um, Alan Peterson, uh, Ron Chapman, um, uh, Cardiel, Gons in Shrewsbury. I Saw huh. that, and uh, Alan Peterson. So good. I'm pretty sure Gons was there too. Yeah, and then the only other person I saw skate was Ed Templeton. I saw a TV demo just with Ed, so, and uh, so that was the only people I saw in person, but not, like, you'd seen them, but it wasn't, it was an hour of seeing them skate, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, so, yeah. So I saw the level, and went, the level's much higher, you know? The level of the pro live was high, you know? Like, he doesn't step off his board kind of thing, and, like, we, 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 um... You know, we want just want to skate like like, like that, um, but yeah, but, uh, yeah, definitely seeing Carly and that skate at that you know that age, oh, and man. I was still, like my balls hadn't dropped right, so because John's I don't know, John a few I don't know how old John is, but he's like a few years older than I am, probably. Huh? You know, um, and that difference of like someone not quite going through the teenage years and somebody already being a man, that was me at that demo. You know, kind of thing where my balls were just starting to drop. I was still a little kid. Uh, I was watching the level of skating that, you know, was insane. Fuck. Um,
2: Those are the days, yeah.
1: yeah. Jeffy was cool to me, too. He was, like, he was quiet, but I was influenced by the way that you were treated. Like, Grab Grabke gave me a set of wheels because I had the smallest wheels at that Santa Cruz demo. Right? So, <laughs> Here's some 66s. <laughs> They were. 66s, ers <laughs> Right? He said, who's got the smallest wheels here? Whoever's got the smallest wheels, I'm going to give him some wheels. And I'm just like, that's crusty old wheels. i probably try to fix on a lathe or something in my dad's garage. Um, but they were small, so he gave me the wheels, and I remember he gave me them. But I'm a little kid. Yeah. I like this. They're 66. And they're softies. Right? Like, so I was stoked, but in the same breath, I'm like, how am I going to ride them? What do I do? I tried to ride them. I ended up selling them because they just didn't fit the board. I was just getting real by every <laughs> 10 seconds. But he was cool as fuck, to me. Ah, You know what I mean? Like Klaus Gray, he was super rad. Like, he gave the, the kid with the littlest wheels the set of the biggest wheels he had at the demo. And huh. so, I was, so I had a good influence with pros before I, you know, before I moved to the U.S. Like, no one was a bit.
2: Were you aware of who these guys were from like videos or magazines or
1: were you being introduced uh, to them? Yeah, at- so yeah. we didn't know who Sean Sheffy was. No. Sean Sch- but the, yeah. We kind of like knew his name and you, but we didn't, we didn't know what he was capable of doing. Right. You know, he had like two tricks in speed freaks or something like that. Right. Uh. Like he had a couple of tricks here and there. And like, it was before so the life him. video. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he was wearing the same clothes he was wearing in the live video like the Limpies and a white hmm. T-shirt, you know, uh, that. and um Like he was rifling through his bag on on, on, his, on the trip. So I got to see like a skate trip, like the van, the back of the van, and like a pro's bag. How people walk- travel. I was never on the road. Right, you see that shit, and then years later you remember that you've seen it. Yeah. And then, one, like I remember Sean had like a duffel bag, and he was rummaging through all of his stickers and shit to give stuff to kids that he didn't need. You know, at that and um, he was generous. Yeah. And respectful to the kids that were there. And we appreciate it because, you know, it went a long way at that time with, with us, you know?
2: Mm hmm. Hey, let's take a quick little break and hear from some of our friends, and we will be right back.
0: John Bravo! Where's my, hey, where's, my hey, where's my son? Where's the hey, where my son? Where's Hey! Where? fight, son. where's THE SPICE?! Get those juries coming. High, hot, high, hot, don't be stuff like gold. We got the new sauce! Puck rock! Yeah! New kick, new flavor, hot sauce is here!
2: Step up to the plate and lose. Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers, We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. And now another first impression with Timothy Donald McKenney
3: First impression Jeff Rally on Talking Schmidt. It was in Munster, and Poncho actually talks about it in his pod. And it really was a cool deal when me and Poncho go and walk up the stairs up to the drop-in bank and right on the tops Jeff Rally, And I guess Rally and Poncho must have caught each other's eyes because instantly it was like Poncho! Jeff! They started talking it was like wow do these two really know each other and you could tell the look in Rally's eyes he knew Poncho was a ripper I'm going how does this guy know? Uh, I realized they were both on Volcom they both went on tour it's the tour where Poncho gets called Wee Man all through Transworld pits the shit out of me but uh, either way Rally knew what a champion poncho was because I saw it in his eyes. And when I saw it in his eyes, I went, damn, Rally really is a genuine badass fucking man. Anyways, this is always a pleasure. I love you guys. Stay up
2: late.
1: Hi, this is Frankie Hill and you're with Talkin' Schmidt.
2: Let's talk a little bit about how you, um, when you got on Vans, like how it all what? went down that you they put you on Vans.
1: Ah, uh, well, I rode for a before Vans, right? Yeah. For a, quite a long time, and like when I was growing up, it was just those two shoe companies, Airwalk and Vance Like you were either going to wear a cup sole from Airwalk or a vulcanized shoe from Vance. Right. right? So your options, and and um, you know, and uh, and so where I was from, it was cold, right? So often you got wet, often you got cold in the winter, and we needed. So there was a there was a a lot of us wore Airwalks to keep our feet warm or because they lasted a little bit longer, right, at the time uh-huh. those kinds of things. And, um, and some of my favorite pros rode for them, Matt Hensley, and, you know, Danny Way, and even Tony Hawk, everyone rode for him. Uh-huh. right, and so um, I rode for a walk and so I, I, I grew up wearing just those two shoes pretty much, you know, as a skater, I, bo- I wore both. Yep. whatever was that skated well. And, um, and the old shoes just went in a direction that was not scalable. You know, and I tried to help them fix it. I tried to be a team player and loyal for quite a few years, even at a young kid's age like that, where I was given a pro shoe and I probably shouldn't have a pro shoe at that age.
0: Mm.
1: You know, like I was given a pro shoe pretty early. Um, and, uh, but they just weren't able to. They weren't able to make good product at the time, right? And it was frustrating. But it was some of the same people that were there when it was a great brand huh. early on. You know? Uh, Dan Sturt was still helping with the photography and a lot oh. of the content. Right? And he was actually doing a lot of, like, the video content for them at the time. So my loyalty to, like, Dan in photo and video, right, like, riding for Airwalk, was, that was the as well as my loyalty to what the brand had been when it could make good shoes, right? So I tried to be there, and it just got to the point where it's like, they can't do it. They're not gonna do it. And I, I don't, can't wait around anymore. You know, they just can't make, the product was getting worse, you know? So I looked at like the, who I'd wanna ride for, or if anyone would even wanna sponsor me, you know? And I spoke to a couple of companies at that time, and which was hugely flattering, rad brands that, were, that are still around today. And, um, and not, it just didn't, nothing felt right. Like it felt, at the time, I felt like, fuck. I don't like any skate shoes. And that's not like me. I love skateboarding. I didn't like any fucking skate shoes. So. Huh. They also, I tried to wear other, other skate shoes that even to see if I liked them. And no, they weren't that good. I felt like the shoes that we had before that ridiculous explosion of puffy shoes were better than the ones that we were trying to make. Yeah. So I felt like it was going backwards, you know? And so I just went, well, if it's not broke, why fix it? So I just fuck it, I'm going to wear what I'm musically influenced by right now. And I was, I don't know what year that was, 98 or something like that. And um, I just approached bands, like straight up cold cold approach bands. I'd spoken to them a little bit, uh, I think the year before. And there was like, they were set up the way that they were set up, you know? But it just hit a point where I went with their work. I'm like, I'm going to leave. I'm just gonna go and do something else because I can't get shoes I need to skate in, so they can't make them for me and I'm struggling to buy them from other brands or or get free flow from other brands and, and like them. Like, I, the other brand's shoes were really slippy, right? Like, they just were, like, I felt like. And I was, you know, um, I was struggling with that. So that's kind of how it just the wall. You know, what what what's gonna work? And I just, the only thing I could think of was they just did those original errors that were the first skate shoe and that's what I wanted to wear because at the time like from a fashion sense like personally like I you know was young and wanted to when I wasn't skating still wear the same gear Still yeah. feel like a skater not change my gear and put on a pair of Nike running shoes That's the exact opposite of what I'm saying. I wanted
0: uh-huh.
1: I wanted a casual shoe that was a skate shoe and so I started wearing the Era, you know, that shoe there, because um, I had them when I was younger, and they still sold them in band stores around Southern California, original made in USA ones. So I just went there, skated in one pair, and went, oh, my, yeah. This that's is it. it.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: I went, the most important thing is the grip. It's yeah. It's the connection from the product to the skateboard. The shoe to the skateboard is the grip. That's what makes this work. And it's not just like the compound of the rubber, it's the way the shoe's made. And in, in my head, I just go, like Levi 501s. Yeah. In my head. All those ads they sold you when you were growing up, where you, you know, the handsomest dude in town would go and get a pair of Levi's and walk down the high street, get in his own bathtub with his pants on, with no shirt on, he's ripped. And then his jeans would mold to the shape of his body. And you could see his junk when he left, and all the old ladies would <laughs> cringe. The comm- that commercial, mm. I saw that. Vans, I felt that's what Vans is. Vans is like a great American brand that fucking has something that's special and the way that these shoes are made is perfect for skating.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Let's do that. Yep, let's do that. And so I wore them for like a year. So you USA errors. Scott Sismus, who works in the surf, in the surf team at Vans, now still works at Vans. Scott, uh-huh. he would like drive around Southern California buying these shoes from van's retail stores. What was left of the old inventory made me a inventory, and I would do the same thing. And it became kind of fun Uh of like these shoes are like 25 bucks to buy, right? They're the best skate shoes ever. I wore through them in three days, right, because they're just old stock from 15 years ago, most of them. Uh But they work, and I can skate better, and I'm confident, and it's making me learn tricks quick. Because I hadn't worn shoes like that for quite a few years at that point. And the vans that they were making just before that weren't the original vans. They were the the, the build of them was a different compound of rubber, right? Like than what we did after when we started remaking bulk shoes. The compound was back to where it was originally. So that interim of before I rode for the brand, a lot of the bulk weren't done right that's the best way of putting it. They weren't made right. And you might have put them on at the time too. I did too, meaning I was trying to put a pair that were production on at the same time, and going, this one right here that everyone's forgotten about, this is it. This doesn't work the same way.
0: Huh. We need to
1: improve it right away. And so when I got the chance to do my first shoe, the first thought was, how do we improve that product? It's the grips already there, so let's look at... And then I remembered the sock liner of all bands used to crumble. Yeah. Right. Like both ones. I'm like, nope. We'll put the first comfortable soft liner, and then they never had any padding around the ankle, almost none. Like the skate high, all those don't have a lot of padding. I thought, what if we put just a little bit, a little bit more than that, but not as much as what people want right now. That's what it should look like. Mm-hmm. Then it looks like the bands that's been upgraded. Mm-hmm. Right. That was my first shoe. And that's, yeah. why I, that's why I rode for bands and why I wanted to ride for bands and why I continue to ride for bands after that is because they listened. They listened to the skater that said, this shoe is grippier than this shoe and I can do better tricks on this than this. Yeah. And they made, they made it.
0: It's
2: so you know, sick.
1: They say, oh, and they didn't say you're wrong. And they didn't say, well, the designers have said the compound of the rubber is the same. So they should feel the same. They delved yeah. into DNA, and 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 they when they looked at it, they went it works, and so they went through their whole catalog of classics and, and kind of re-energized and rebuilt them, with with that you know, with the idea of uh, the original was 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 correct. How can we improve that now? Right. You know, yeah, you
2: bad. you basically reintroduced vulcanized to the skate shoe.
1: Fixed. Well, it was already it was out on the market, but the it, the connection between the business and the athlete was off. Right. Uh, or of whatever you want to call it. So I don't call myself. I call myself an athlete physically because we yeah. move all the time. But I don't look at myself the same. I think that I, it's twenty four seven.
0: Right.
1: skate in my car over here. So does that make me right? Like, yeah. You know, but. Like and I was pretty anal about my product at that age. Most dudes are when you're like 20 to 23. You're a little more picky. You're still just your your masculine freaking confidence is like needs adjusting <laughs> at that age. Um, you know. So once it worked, you like you're never going to go back, right? Like if you do a good kickflip on a board, and you go, "That's a, I feel good on that board." You yeah. want to want it. That's what it was. Is is. Uh, it's the shoes said, like, we're better. We're going to make you better at skating. You feel more confident. And that's freaking priceless. When I was, like, 21, I didn't quite see what I should be doing skating, you know? And uh, and then I seen it when we started that path, you know? And I started working with Dan Sturt. You know, Dan was shooting all of my first band's ads, you know? So Dan brought a level of creativity to it. So
2: Dan kind of traveled with you. He went from... He went from Airwalk to Vans with you?
1: No, not with me. He worked independently for Airwalk. No, so not with you, but
2: kind of simultaneously.
1: I begged him to shoot photos. Um, please, Dan, I love you. You're the best. Please. Um, you're my girl. Such hero. a crazy dude. I was When I, was growing up, I looked at it and looked down the bottom right corner and went, damn it, that guy showed it again. <laughs> and um, no, like, we worked well together. I love that. Like his his personality and his character and who he is is it's not for everybody, but it's for me. I like mm. him, you know. And uh, and and much like Jake, he's been a good friend. He he was a good friend to me, and he's a good still a good friend to me today. And he still checks in on me, and he and he's and he's still right about the same shit that Jake was right about. Shit. You know, he's, he's wildly broad with some other stuff, right? I'm a very colorful character.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a Dan. good way to describe him.
1: Mean, Jake has an immense amount of talent. You know. Yeah. So it was a. It once Dan brought a lot to that too, because I said that to Dan. Like when we first shooting with him, like the, the Hensley photos, like the the portraits, the stuff that I remember that resonate. But when you push the boundaries, when a guy remember the Markovich double page uh, still life photo in Transworld, right? It was the first time the water gap, it was Markovich's interview in the MAG. Okay. And it was a double page, that black and white photograph, Dan Sturt one, uh, of Markovich, Ollie, in this water gap over this, like, basically water cabin, you know? Well, you could only see his board, his feet, and about six inches of his legs. His whole top of his body was at the top of the frame out of the photo, right? He wanted you to look at the water. Yeah. He wanted you to look at the, the space that was there. Damn. That photo. I remember that and went, damn, we, let's do stuff like that. You know? All right? Like, so every time we shoot a photo, I'm not going to question what you're doing. Do it. You know? Like, and, and if I have an idea for something, we'll talk, which we did a few times. We did a couple of wacky portraits. And like, do you ever see that grizzly bear photo that we did? Yeah. The grizzly bear. That's real. That's a 10 foot grizzly. No, that's totally real. A 10 foot grizzly bear six foot behind me, right, and I got five minutes with it in the complete open wild in the mountains, the front wow. door I, Right, like I know an animal trainer, and they were coming to shoot a Van's photo shoot of all the snowboard team at my. I have a cabin up in the up in the San Bernardino Mountains. It's a little yeah. government cabin. I let Van the Vans Snowboard Team use it in like 2005 or six or something like that. They needed like a place to sh- photograph the, the snowboard team for a Van's catalog like clothing and boot catalog.
0: Mm. So they just
1: need to post up and shoot photos. And they wanted to use like wild animals, trained animals for these weird portraits for the snowboard team. Well, it turns out the guy they hired lived 10 minutes away from the house that I had, the cabin up in the mountains. So they used my place and it was local. I got to know the trainer pretty good because he had to come to my house to assess when he brought it. He was bringing grizzly birds, African lions, mountain lions, and a number of other small animals that could rip your face off, right? To a whole snowboard team. And uh, I said to Vans, you can use my house, <laughs> but you need to give me five minutes with the grizzly bear and the photographer. I called up Sturt and said, Dan, I got five minutes with a completely trained grizzly <laughs> bear you need to shoot a photo.
2: Wow, you know
1: I'm there. And, uh, and then the rest is history, but there's something else to do with that that I'm not gonna tell you, okay. but it was Dan's here. Dan's genius of going, hey, take your video camera, look down at it. like, And he didn't prep me on in this. When he came to shoot the portrait and the animal trainer said, okay, in a couple of minutes when everyone's taking a break, tell me what you need me to do. You've got your five minutes. Because he's being paid, right, Like to do that. And uh, and so Dan had an idea. So I'm thinking, what's he going to do with you right now? I'm like, I'm here. There's a grizzly in a cage right there. And Dan's there. And the trainer's there. And everyone else is eating lunch around the other side of the cabin. Like, what's Dan going to have me do? Is he going to have me grab it, get on its back? Like, seriously, this is a trained animal, but it's gnarly. Like, it's a 10-foot grizzly. Yeah. Oh, Nine-foot grizzly, 10-foot, pushing it. 10-foot
2: ten, ten um, wingspan.
1: Big. <laughs> big. When something like that stands over you, it's, it feels like a wave over your head, and it's six-foot behind you. The animal was standing six-foot behind me, so that it looked like it was over my shoulder be that close. Yeah. What Dan said was he said, Okay, come here, stand there, you'll kill me Anyway, I won't tell the secret. He told me to stand there and he said, I'm gonna shoot two pictures of you. You're gonna walk over there, I'm gonna shoot two pictures of you. And 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 the, the, the second one you're gonna run at me. The first one I'm gonna take a picture of you, the second one you're gonna run at me when I tell you to. All right? You know, and, and then the, the next bit's like, make sure you do what I say or you're gonna get killed. Right, Because I don't know what he's doing, but he yeah. wants me to look more natural. He said, go over there, take your camera, and look down at the camera like you're looking at footage. And when I tell you to run at me, run at me. Don't lift your head up the whole time. Don't look at me. So I looked down the whole time, and the train was getting the grizzly bear closer and closer and closer to me. Right, So I don't even know where it is. I can hear it like huffing behind me. <laughs> Damn. And uh, the trainer was using things, techniques to get it closer and closer, and then pulling it back, and closer and closer, and pulling it back, so it doesn't just go, who's this? Grab the dude. And, and that's what we did. So what he did was he shot the photo, and then he shouted, now, run at me! So I didn't listen, didn't lift my head up, and just ran straight out him, thinking, if I get to him, I can run way faster than he can. I know which way to go, because I were in my head, I'm like, I know how to run away from this. Animal right now and have him grab someone else and not me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm running, I'm trying to write it down. I just thought there's no way if I run full speed and I'm 30 yards away from him that he can outrun me. And within those 30 yards, I think I can get to him before the bird will be on with me. Maybe, maybe.
2: Right. Anyway, so
1: that's what we did, and we shot the photo. But the idea was the grizzly bear was looking at the footage that I just filmed, right? And uh, and then I ran off, something like that. Uh, I
2: gotta look at that.
1: Dan Dan brought brings a lot to anyone he works with, like, you know, to to any mag he worked with. He brought this like level of like, oh yeah, photography. You know, and wherever it's gone, and any of those bodies of work that've gone places that have been him, um, have been exceptional. And so when we start shooting photos for bands, he's one of the reasons why it worked too, Mm. because of his creative eye. Like his imagery stood out as well.
2: Yeah, and the drive that he has. I mean, I think in some exactly. ways he, he brought the drive to a lot of photographers to go the extra step. Yeah.
1: Well, he did it for for, for, for me. He did it with his psychological freaking breakdowns of what we were doing, where we were going to be at in 10 years, what uh, we were going to feel, and we should probably think about that now. Uh, he brought that to the table very early on, like rubber gloves at the skate scene, rubber gloves, like nine one one already dialed, just ready to push. Fuck. You know, a lot of emergency training so that if you knew you'd know that you could trust him more than other people a lot of other photographers who had no training. Right. That made me want to jump off a building. It made me want to jump between skyscrapers. It made me want to do the gnarliest things I could physically do with them.
2: Yeah. And
1: I tried to do it. And I, 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 I wish that I had a couple of goes to do some of them again. Like some periods of my skating just to clean them up. Clean myself up for six months and do that one thing I should have done that I never got around to with Dan. There's a there's a few of those that are in my closet that I'll just die with and that's fine. Yeah. You know? But I did feel like that with Dan. I felt like I got the best guy in the world. Right? If that's not a catalyst to you wanna do the best skating you could ever do, I don't know what it is. You know. Because I knew why he was shooting it. For the same creative reasons. He wanted to see gnarly shit go down. Yeah. He likes He still skates now. Dan loves skateboard. So yeah. all of that time, Roderick, he loves skateboarding. Right? That's cool. And so for me, to have a guy like that, I've shot a lot of pictures with. I just feel so fortunate. You he can't
2: won't. top the, the story. I mean, you might be able to. But for me the fucking sniping a Transworld photo shoot and sending the photo of Danny to Thrasher to beat Transworld at their own photo shoot, I'm just yeah. like, how could you not applaud that as a NorCal guy, you know? If
1: you pull back and go, I'm in Skate Media, how can you still not <laughs> applaud it?
0: Yeah.
1: Because although that might be your work and it might have slided, slided you, which is, Upsetting, or somebody else put the effort into permitting and paying right. and liability, and yeah. then got you know, some of that juice, juice delivered or removed, or or put in it put in an envelope and mail the brasher or whatever yeah. it was. Um, that's fun for me. Like the guys that that he's shooting, um, I've never heard anyone go, "Oh, I wish he hadn't done that." I'm right. glad that he's there. I'll bet most of them said, "When went, dang, now I have that picture to document it as well. And it was on the yeah. top of the map. Right. Right. You know, I love that about Dan, that that kind of keep you guessing kind of thing, you know. Um, and I took a lot of that. I was influenced by that. I'm still mm-hmm. influenced by that.
2: Yeah. It was, he sent the photos at least to Thrasher. The ones were prints and on the back it said, when you're done, send it to Jason Jesse. So Jason has, like, the original prints of a lot of the shit he shot. It's insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. all that flip stuff, you, like, you and Arto is, like, a lot of cool yeah. shit.
1: Yeah, I've seen It's been bounced around. Like, he sent me a lot uh, directly. And right. extra prints and things like that directly yeah. of, like, all a ton of stuff, you know? Yeah, like, it's you know, so I've, cool. I have, I have some stuff, too. I've given a... I've given a you know, a few of them away and then i found some of them too on floors in places in houses that they shouldn't be oh things weird like, that. like just when stuff's been being thrown away or been kicked to the curb mm. I've, a few things have popped up and they've been stirred images you know God, weird shit, you know and then jake used to send me some you know randomly wow. like would be a print or whatever he'd send it and he sent me some stuff prints down me before that i've been sent to thrasher that have then been sent down and vice versa, like they've gone around a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know. But um, but one I didn't get and I don't have, I don't think, is uh, is juggling the grenades.
2: Yeah, yeah, the Sodi uh, cover, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, I have the pin photo. So at the end of the interview, there was a photo just at Sturridge, just of the pin, a pin, not in the grenade. Yeah, the last of the interview. I have that. Jake sent me that, you know, sent that to me. There's also the, the print at Thrasher that uh, um, was sent up for my interview that was uh, 180 Nosegrind on Wilshire, right? Ed Templeton photographed it, and oh. I sent just that one negative to Sturth, and he printed it and sent it directly to Thrasher. So I never, I don't have the print. I have a shitty print that Ed made. Like, Uh if he tried to make a good print, he just printed it out so we'd have a copy and see what the scan would look like. And so I had that, and Sturt printed it, which he would never usually do, right? He printed it and sent it right up. So I wish I had that one
4: because it was an Ed
1: photo. Sturt printed it in the dark room. That's probably the only one that I wish I had. Some of the later ones I have, you know, all the covers of the magazine.
2: Was that Dan's idea, the grenade one?
1: No, that was that was Thrasher for the interview, and that was, that was the, again, half of those, some of them were, 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 were a combination of ideas I'd had or a combination of ideas he'd had. You huh. know, for some of those like, weird portrait photos and shit like that that he would do. Um, but, but but almost always Daniel, you know, and then we'd use it, and whatever it was, we'd take that as an angle and twist it with the product, you know, and make it work. Yeah. Um, but there was some other, yeah, he was amazing. But the grenades, the idea was, you know, keep pulling the pins out eventually one's going to blow up in your face
2: yeah it was cool i oh, remember yeah. when they were laying out i was like oh that's sick
1: yeah that was that was the idea yeah he's amazing the way that he did that and the way that he set that photograph up too he makes such an effort with some of his photographs he's like so freaking well thought out with them
2: when i uh i put a little feeler out on my instagram feed that i was going to be talking to you and like a bunch of people wanted uh a you to talk about luke mccurdy they want a good Oh,
1: okay yeah um luke is a a a good friend of mine since i was a younger kid and um he was an incredible skateboarder one of the most well rounded skaters you'll ever meet um and has been is that he's a dude that could have been professional if people want me to talk about luke that's it he was he had everything to be able to be a professional skateboarder. But he would prefer to be to enjoy the skateboarding and push himself without the demands of being sponsored or being a pro as uh. much. Like I don't know if he's okay with me saying that, you know. But like, so he can do stuff like on a board, like superhuman. He can do any, very, very, very well-rounded. He's uh. the guy he can he can do eggplants on vert with no pads, and at the same time would be the guy that can do any technical ledge trick if he put his mind to it. Right. You know. And, uh, very, very, very talented. But he lives in Texas, and uh, still skates a bunch. And I used to live with him in Huntington Beach when huh. I was growing up. And he moved from England. He's from the south coast of England, from a place called Rotting Dean, and uh, and he lives in Austin, Texas, right now with his wife and kids, and still skates all the time. And um, yeah, the the, the the Texas scene out there. I think when they see them, when they see him skate, they go, oh, Okay, yeah, he's really good. He's really fucking good. Rad. Absolutely. Very, very talented skater that no one really or not a lot of people are know of. Hmm. You know, um, Yeah, like on our King of the Road that we went on for Thrasher many, many years ago, he was our team manager. Oh, really? Our team manager on King of the Road for Thrasher. Ah. And, and, and also, he did more tricks in the book than I did. He did, did more he? tricks. Like all of us probably on the trip, that's how good he is. Like there was a, okay, someone needs to do a backside heel flip wall right, Okay, Luke, you got it. Bang! He got it. Like right. wow. that. Yeah. Someone needs to do an eggplant revert. I'm sure he can do it. Try it, Luke. Like that's who Luke is. Very talented. Anything picks up, he does it well. Yeah. 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 Wow. I'm very um, stable. Very stable person. One of those people that you've known like most of your life that still skates. That is the consistency to who they are that you appreciate. Right? Like he, he's that. He's a very fucking solid person.
2: And then what about SOTY? Um, That's the year 2000. Was that like a, yeah. a huge deal, obviously, a game changer, like something you look back at as like you can always like take pride and like the MAG gave you this award, Felper handed it to you. There was like what was some of the things you remember of it? I know it's 20 years ago this year, so it's been a minute, but like yeah. what a fucking yeah. deal, huh?
1: I remember where the mag was at that time. I remember looking through thrashing mags and and, um, and 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 seeing that like skating was changing. Skating was changing, and a lot of that change wasn't all happening in San Francisco. A lot, a lot of that to just be open and speak about the fucking world as it is. It wasn't a lot of that progression a lot of it. A lot of it was happening in step two, these skaters. But we had a lot of that happening down in Southern California, right? And that period of skating. Like it was all changing, videos were changing. People were starting to make videos outside of Southern California. We were starting to film in Barcelona, we were starting to film in Paris, we were starting to film across cities in the US. We were mm-hmm. starting to film in Phoenix more, Las Vegas. Prior to that they were like day trips for SoCal skate teams, right? They weren't really, unless you were from the, like a Colby car or something, those videos weren't as diverse, you know, and so When that was starting to happen and, like, I moved to SoCal and you had guys like Reynolds and a bunch of us moving from all different parts of the world to SoCal, Frasher didn't have a lot of photographers down in SoCal quick enough to get on it, right, to cover everyone. They had photographers, but not enough to cover from L.A. down to San Diego. You had Jamie Thomas going bonkers down in San Diego, right, and you had Andrew and I, like, in in Huntington Beach kind of area, and then you had all the L.A crew, Costin, and all that. That's a lot of guys to cover on the weekend. Yeah. Right? Thrasher was hiring new photographers and like around that time, like I always loved the mag. I was the Thrasher hoodie kid. Right? Like I had a yellow one, a blue one, and uh, and where I'm from was a little more, more, I related more to the Thrasher mentality than it did the other mags. Right? And I wanted to see Thrasher be Thrasher but I felt like some of the some of the, you know, the mag could get better. And when they started hiring younger photographers, it did start getting better. Mm. Right? And when that started to happen, I started to shoot more for Thrasher because there was Thrasher photographers around. Right? So Burnett moved from Colorado. All of a sudden, we had a San Diego photographer that shot sequences that was ready to go, 24 hours a day, to go anywhere to get the trick. Right? So that was the game changer. Like I, I, so I wanted to do a thrasher interview. Let's do a fucking thrasher interview. Let's do a gnarly cover. Let's do a crazy interview. So my first thrasher interview was that. Was like, shit. I have a chance to do a thrasher interview right now, and like I can get Sturt to shoot the stills, and I can get Burnett to shoot the sequences, right? And so that's what we did. And like some of those, like those in that the, the mag at that time changed. The mag changed. You know, with all of the all of the Warner's content, like the Warner Avenue dudes, Eric Ellington, Greco, all this, Absolutely. what they were doing. What we were all doing. What right. Jamie was in San Diego, what the girl guys were doing in LA, what we were doing in Huntington Beach, Orange County area, right? Like that was a freaking melting pot in the mags in the nineties and that <sighs> And we covered all of that. And um, but like I felt like I it was an honor to get the first interview in the mag and then when during the same year i had an interview and Skate of the year thing right but i think my interview came out first i can't remember because those were different times like the the interview would come out a year before you won Skate of the year some shit right like they yeah didn't, You did skate of the year and then you had three months to do a you know a skate of the year interview yeah You're actually a lot longer yeah i remember because i was one of the first people to do the skate of the year interview. You know what I mean? Like I recap after you'd won it, yeah. Because I, I had a Skate of the Year interview after my first Thrasher interview, so I was just fucking honored. And but when Jake called me, honestly, that's like at the time, I just wanted to rip. I wanted to fire rockets, set fires, right? But I wanted them all to work, right? Like meaning tricks and stuff like that and the shit that we were doing. Um, so when but when Jake called me, like I was talking to Jake. And I didn't know Jake at the time, right? Like I was just—I didn't know him that well. I was probably 20 years old or something like that. And so I was just getting to know Jake. I went up for my Thrasher interview and then shot the portrait in the basement below with Luke Ogden, right? Or in his house, maybe in his house in the basement. I can't remember because it was in a basement. Don't remember what was above it. But he built little things, basement to shoot the portrait and stuff in. Yeah. Because I said I wanted it to look like a padded cell, you know, somebody. right. Right. Yeah, but I to look like somebody's got their head down in a padded cell and they're just going to go nuts on their board when you turn the page It, was, it wasn't anything and uh, so I started to talk to Jake a little bit Then started to get to know him a little bit when I was up in SF alone And that was kind of some of the first times that I like, spent time with him where there was no one from the magazine or no other skaters around or and um, You know, so I talked to him a little bit. So when he called me after to tell me i would won of a year Like, I'd already spoken to him a couple of times since then, right? So I knew him a little bit better, but I didn't know him that well. But, like, I just felt like I wanted to do the same thing that I was trying to do in the mag, which is just explode stuff. And, you know, given the opportunity, push myself as far as I can physically go. And if somebody like Jake Phelps in Thrasher Magazine says that I can do it, I can do it. And so that's what it it meant, you know? Um, I was just getting to know Jake. Like just getting to know him as like a real person when he called me up and told me I'd won Skate of the year. Oh. So my response was just straight, straight up the same as what I was trying to push through the mags. It's like, okay, you're gonna give me the opportunity to freaking hammer it down, I'll go to town for you. I will put it all on the line from here on out. That's what it meant, you know? Uh, and thanks. I try to hold that, I really do. Like I try mm. to never, ever take the easy route with it, with my skating. That's why I get hurt. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm still skating now. I've been skating since I was 13 years old with that same mentality. I mean, you saw Jake before he passed. Like, he had 450 stitches across his body or something like that, you know, 55 surgeries and walked in front of cars a million times. And-
0: yeah,
2: he outdid yeah. evil like, Knievel, evil.
1: Yeah, but that's what it meant to me, Greg. Like, truly, that's what it meant to me. It meant man, I, I had a dream of, like, being a skater as a little fucking kid. And and when when I was when Jake called me and said that it is a validation. It's a the editor of the magazine that I bow down to, you know, that I would do anything to be in a lifestyle that I fucking love and want to live, and just will do anything it takes to just do that, pursue that because it's it's in my heart, right, to do it. Yeah, uh, it did mean a lot, you know, especially especially me being pro being. Like, I'm a pretty confident person, generally. You know, honest, like, I'm generally a, a upbeat. I wake up in the morning, and, I, and I, if I'm grumpy, it's just going to need to wake up. But usually, once I wake up, let's do this. Uh, I'm, that, I'm that guy in that. But um, that's your dream come true, right?
2: Yeah. And
1: then you can't deny it. Then you go, the editor like, has made me scared of the year. If I d- pretend I still suck, then that's negative. No. Yeah. Like he wants fire, let's bring it. You know? And that that's what it was. You know. And, and and I don't know. I think that was something I had in common with Jake. I understood that when you won Skate of the Year, it didn't mean it was a medal. It meant you had work to do. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't mean like in in a in a really serious manner, you know, like I didn't mean it like that. I meant like you now need to show is what you can do right and everybody yeah. is, is there you know supporting it you know that's kind of what i like when i see guys win scale yeah i want to see them succeed you right. know, i want to see year win it and then a year later go look he's better than he was the year before
2: exactly right, right. and that's
1: how it should be yeah you know, reach out. Right? like people reach out like kids sponsor me videos and stuff like that and they send you a video and they say am i good to be sponsored that generic thing the response is always going to be if you're not 10 years ahead of what you're seeing right now, like you're not hitting that level. Hmm. That's what I want to see. Jake wanted to see that every day, yeah, right? Like right, that fire of that, totally. and, and he did that for me, you know, truly. And the fact that he liked Dan Sturt, like he liked Sturt, like he liked the way that Sturt did it, and he thought it was rad, and, and he valued his, his talents, and he and, he, and he and that, like. That supported side of it, fucking huge. Got me way fired up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah,
2: I miss the old man. I see you got his picture up on the wall behind you. I got the same oh, wow. photo on my hoodie today. Yep. It's, Hunter's Point, yeah. uh Vert Ramp, uh, Bryce Knight's photo. Layback, yeah. sick. Yeah, I miss the old man a lot, especially we talked earlier about like just during these crazy times it would be so interesting to see what the old man would say or do yeah I mean we were laughing we're like is is he behind the COVID-19 like is it Jake just fucking yeah. torturing us with fires and everything like what the fuck
1: yeah I think he'd see it for what it was you know yeah. I, I, like deep down I think he'd see it for what it was and that, and he's watching this right now you know he is he's right there like where else is he going to be Where else are you going to do right now man I don't know. But yeah, that does get on there, doesn't it? You want go on positivity from it. But we got it. Like look at, you know, all, all the dudes ripping it up right now, how much they love Jake, that younger generation too. Yeah, right? it's really
2: cool. Yeah, Rowan and fucking Grant and Figgy yeah. and all these dudes that would just go on every skate rock trip and just led Jake's party anthem and, and skate anthem really, you know, but uh it was just the whole lifestyle that they, they all kind of gravitated towards and uh hopefully yeah it keeps it all those dudes keep it going i, I talked to ronnie a lot and just the mentality you can tell different people that were close with jake and have a little chunk of them still yeah
1: yeah, yeah no, it's important Pass that long past the energy yeah know, talk- but the, future, the kids are going to decide aren't they what comes next yeah and they, and they should yeah
2: know? they have to um yeah. Talk about though, your Vans video part, you, uh, it was really important. You and I talked a bunch leading into it, getting some of Jake involved in it. Uh, you attributed the part to, him. um, I haven't really got to speak to you too much since then. No. Um, but, uh, yeah. Could you share a little bit of that?
1: Um, well, like it,
2: it was basically Jake had passed and you were putting out a video part around that.
1: And what it was is it was it was 2019, the end of 2019, and I, I felt physically good. Started to film, we finished. I finished a mini video part just a little bit before I started to film. I felt really good, like I was stoked on skate, enjoying it. And I, and I said to the bands, "Hey, I'm filming. I filmed some stuff. If you want to film some, let's do it." And they thought it'd be a good idea to do some. Jamie did it, Vance, Jamie Hart to yeah. do some for 20 years riding because 2020 would be me. Sorry, 2019 would have been 20 years me riding for Vance. So Vance had these plans to like do some 20-year things for, for myself right, as an athlete for him. So we just thought, well, let's just might as well rope it in the same thing. I'll just film a video part for the 20-year thing. And then we said, well, I, and there's other dudes filming. Do you want to film with some other dudes? I'm like, well, it would be weird if it's a big video and it's a 20-year thing because then it's about – it's not about me, just me. It's just about me. It should just be a single video part. I said, let's just put out a video with a few dudes and not attached to the 20-year, but put it out at the same time, right? With dudes that I think have similar energy so the video feels like the same video all the way through, right? Yeah. Like, same kind of skater. Like, we, you know, I don't know. And, uh, and that was the idea. So the idea of putting, you know... Well, I, I looked at Ronnie and went, Ronnie's... Ronnie is so like everyone he's been everyone's fa- fan. everyone's been a fan of Ronnie Sandoval since he was like a little kid and everyone wanted to see him blossom into the skate disease right now. Um, I wanted the opportunity to go on skate trips and see a video part of him come together and be there and be involved in that because I wanted to see it. You know what I mean? I wanted yeah. to help that can that happen? That can happen right now if like if we make it let's make that happen because Ronnie Sandoval is one of the best skaters that you hadn't seen skate that that, that much of.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Right?
1: Like, push himself like that. So, yeah, Ronnie's great. I, perfect. Like, I love Ronnie. I've traveled with Ronnie. Like, I got on well with Ronnie. I like skating with Ronnie. Good, and the and, and, and right kind of focused on skating. Right? Like Pedro, you go skate. doesn't matter if there's a beer going. doesn't matter. It's not the point. The trick needs The hammers go down. Right? Let's light this thing up. Uh, so I just thought, if we do it like that, that's going to be great. Let's go on trips. Like Ronnie skates more tranny biy ish pedro's bigger tranny and i'm more like street kind of crossover and a bit of that generally So, what if we go to the same spots what's going to happen what will it look like so that's what we did i thought let's kick that off with a trip to england frasher with burnett and jake so that we get like the dna of like jeff pedro and ronnie in the uk where i'm from at the start of the video and then we'll end it in the u.s you know so we'll start it there and then we'll do another trip at the end package it together, helps with everybody's travel and all that shit. So that's what we did. So the I, when it got two thirds of the way through the video and Jake passed, right? We're like, fuck, there's loads of footage, right? It's the tricks that we have with like Pedro, me, there. Jake's there as well, all, all of them, and he was supposed to be in the video anyway. That's why we brought him on the trip, right? right. Because I wanted to show him that, like, hey. I want to go on a trip with you. That's how I, for like my vans thing, whatever. That want. I want to go on a trip with you, Jake. Right? And uh, and I knew he loved Pedro. And I knew he loved Ronnie. And then thought, That's, look at that DNA for the start of the video. Everyone will get juiced up, and then everyone can go wherever they want for nine months.
0: Mm. And
1: when he finished the video, the energy is there all the way through from that one trip. And then Jake passed. And rain was passed, and I had footage of Ben who was out skating me when I was in London and stuff. And so fuck it could have easily have gone, fuck, it's a negative, don't put the video out, change it. You know, but that's not the way to do it. You know, so we have to finish the job like that, which is kind of rough. Totally you know? rough. I was proud that we were able to finish it off with those kind of conditions, you know, just rough few months. I mean, anyone... Anyone listening to this, think about it. Go to your local skate park and push yourself to your limit for the next three months. After you know, two of your friends have just passed really awful. Like, try to stay focused every day right away when you're on deadline like that. And uh, that was what I was proud of that we didn't give in, that we finished the video how we were supposed to do. And yeah. we had ripped in it, like destroyed it, like he should have done, like he would have done if Jake was there. Mm. And so did Bonnie. Right. Oh, yeah. So that's what we were able to do. So that's why it's, it's, it's for Jake, it's not. It's not even a dedication for me to Jake, it's for Jake. That's Jake's video we made during that period of time, the energy of Jake. The yeah. name of the video, Take It Back, was that. You know, like, you're not having our skateboarding, you know, it's ours. And, uh, so that, you know, that was, but it was a positive. It was just a rough time for that shit to happen while we were filming and, you know, and, uh, but, but in a nutshell, it, it we finished the video, you know, and I enjoyed it and I didn't get hurt until the last slam I got fucked up. Didn't oh, skate because of all of my internal chest, like um, bruising and like pain the, I had. The Wally um, board sign? Yeah. I just fell on my body really fucking hard. Yeah. And it hurt me. I'd lift my arm up. Couldn't breathe. Couldn't take a full breath. So once I mean once I got through that, like you look and you go, Fuck, like I finished the video, my friends are in it, two of them are freaking dead. It's supposed to be a positive thing. We turned it into a positive thing. What do I do now? My body hurts. I've just finished another video, you know, and you know, you have to re-energize again. Right? If you want to do another video like that the next day, you know, and, and so I took a little bit of a breather after that video as far as like just enjoying my skating, still filming stuff, but enjoying it and not, and then recently I've been, you know, starting to film quite a bit with with Pedro for this little video we're gonna put out in uh, the end of September, Um, but it's gonna be a short video with with Pedro and a little bit of other stuff in there, Um, but that we've been, so I've been working on that. Nice. a couple of weeks of film film some more tricks for that, and then we'll put that out, and, and then we have some secrets in that video and some other stuff coming after that. Um, like I'm just waiting, trying to make the make the best of this crazy time right now. I'm putting putting that negative energy that's out in the world, um, you know, leveling it out. I'm trying to level it out wherever I go. I'm trying to kill people with kindness, I'm trying to kill, you know, negativity with with, with kindness. I'm trying to kill it all with that, you know. And if someone doesn't want to drop in, then then we drop in for them. All right, so that's where, where where I'm at, you know, really, Greg, and I'm stoked. I'm enjoying my skating you know? Sprinkle a little good. wisdom
2: on your toast. <clears throat> I would
1: try, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Would um, you Would you ever go back for that wa- uh, Wally board slide, or is that spot yeah. dead to you after was, something like that?
1: That was like this first go that I tried to make. Oh. Ah. you know, what I mean? like I was warming up and just like that was the first one I almost made. So I would, but I don't go back. Occasionally, I do. Yeah, it's one? I go back when I don't care and just go, fuck it, I'll go and do that. And it's three months later, I'm like, gonna try that again? But I don't intentionally go, shit, didn't get it. I'm going to work on it and go back again. A lot of dudes do. I'm like an energy guy, right? Uh-huh. Like, I look at the spot and I go, yeah, the light's good today. And my body feels, like, not too warm. Fuck it. And I just drop in and try. Yeah. You know? Premeditate side of it's there, but it's also, you know, it's also fucking... Um, you know, a switch.
2: Okay. Out of all the insanity you've been through, <clears throat> is there one moment that sticks out to you that you are most scared or like, this is fucking, yeah. you know, like some crazy ass situation?
1: Uh, like you just knew it's pending.
2: Yeah. Uh, o- or like yeah. a spot that you were like, I'm going to try this, but fuck, I don't know if I got it.
1: Twice I've gone places with stir that I've turned down. Not one of them was I wanted to do a roof gap in the night in the rain, right? So I wanted to see water flying with, uh, you know, the flash reflecting off all the little droplets of water coming off your board upside down, like kind of thing.
0: Okay.
1: I thought, fuck, that's gnarly. Do it in the rain, roof gap in the night. So you can't see anything. It's wet and you're going across a roof. I never got to that. I went to do it went in to actually do the spot and realized that I needed to check myself. Seriously, I just had to go, you need to go home. You need to go home right now. You need to go home, you're gonna fall off the roof and you just ride it. (laughs) I had to tell Dan, I'm like, Dan, I'm going home. I'm really sorry you came up in the winter to, you know, Buena Park in the middle of the winter, in the rain, to shoot a photo of me in the middle of the night, early hours of the morning or something. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep moving this. Hi,
2: oh, you're goodness.
1: all good. Yeah, good. Oh, that's the only time that I remember. And, you know, one of the rail that, like, was something to do with, I felt like it was going to stick, you know? And I couldn't get out of my head that the rail was going to stick. And it's a rail I'd skated before. Um, that was the only other time down there. I just pretty much said no. We're just benign. But a couple of times. You have to sometimes with certain things, you know, you don't feel it that day, but... I know what you're saying, though. That's a little yeah. different. different well,
2: in, in your mind, are you kind of scared to say no to Sturt as well? Like it, him being there? Are you like, ah, oh, this guy's going to fuck with Dan's
1: me? If- not confidence. Once you call Dan and go, Dan's going to be there, I asked him to be there at 10 a.m., which means he'll show up at 6 a.m., <laughs> right, and be ready from the door of my heart, not at the spot at 6 a.m., Right, so, so Dan was part of the process. Once the call to Dan was made, then the preparations for delivering, <laughs> like flying down, whatever it was, so he could push a button and capture it, was already, was already set. So Dan was confident, was confident. Like it was helpful to know that Dan was there because I also knew that if I flipped upside down and fell down the hole, right, landed on my head upside down, I want him there more than anybody else that I know he
2: 's got your back
1: yeah he, he he would handle it right he would handle it but and but more importantly too, he would also capture it as well as handling it if he survived he'd probably get the shot somehow right because like so that's what I, that's the confidence with Dan of like and he runs all over the place as well. Like when he's shooting, he's running up and down the stairs. You've probably seen it in some of the videos of me where you can see Dan. He's running all over the place. He's, he's, he, go, he stands in funny spots where you could hit him really easy, you know, or he intentionally puts things in places where if you fall where you're likely to fall, you're going to land on that, right? So he's he, he he, he very uh, very well thought out. It's
2: kind of strategic.
1: He's, yeah. Okay. Sick,
2: dude. Um, Skate shops. We like to uh, give props to skate shops here because to me, they're super important to our culture and, uh, you know, helping kids develop as what we were drawn to as opposed to like this other thing necessarily um what can you say about skate shops have you had like a special experience or a favorite one that you've been on tour that they took you to their local spot or barbecue you know whatever it may be
1: greg like over the years right like we all know the importance of the skate shop that first place for a kid to see the culture and like be accepted come in have a look check these out what do you need man Have you ever seen this video like did you know that people skate like this like i think that's how important they are like super important um, and, you know, I have a lot of friends who own, right? Like in Long Beach, we have Long Beach Skate, which has just expanded their door. They do a local skate scene. They do loads of skate jams, and they bring the community together, like Tim, right? So he does a lot, and he's doing a, a, a real lot right now with, you know, what's going on in these troubling times kind of thing. So he's bringing a lot of people together and helping support the community through skateboarding and through a skate shop he does a great job. You know, there's a ton of them. Like the, the city that I grew up in lost off is the local skate shop. Oh yeah. Um, you know, useless wooden toys, you know, and, and, and they, without that shop, that city's skate scene wouldn't be what it is. They wouldn't be there. Right. Like the catalyst for all the skate events that happen in the city, they're the ones that host it, but a lot of times are the ones that manage the, the teams that come through their cities. And, uh, you know, so that's how important they are in places like that, too, like in the northwest coast of England, that that shop doesn't exist. How's the kid going to know what's a good skateboard?
2: Their skateboarding uh, school system. They're our education. They're, they're, they're there right. to tell you what's right and wrong, what's good, don't be a kook, all that yeah. shit.
1: Yeah. And yeah. they're an open door to all of the product, too, which I think is what sets skating aside. Like, our gear is cool. Like the stuff we make, like skateboards in itself is really colorful right they're a rad products and skate shops in themselves that like you can go in and watch a video in a shop like not many shops you go in and you can sit there be welcomed in to watch a garden show in the local garden store no you know and like that's the difference between the skate shop is it's a lot more inviting it's a lot more friendly and personal you hope it is they're not all like that right but um but the ones that are good, Cowtown in Phoenix, yeah, right? they Laura long. and Trent, will really do things on the side for the community and, the, and their customers. Absolutely, those are the, ones that make the difference. Yeah, you know? and those are the things that resonate to me. You know, the big box retailers are important too, but that's what they are. That's their place. Everyone plays a role, and in the, in the the core skate shops are the ones that try to always have the hottest stuff that's coming out of skate um you know they are different they are not your average skate shop you know and those are the ones that are very important but there's also you know it's important for that middle of the ground one too that once a kid started skating he's going that you know um maybe he doesn't know where his local skate shop is and he only has a big sporting goods within 45 minutes of his house right Right, at times but those skate shops bring those scenes to local skate parks and things like that they do so much Um, you know so I don't know can't say enough about that though can you
2: No, I've been stepping my game up because when this COVID thing hit I realized like those guys needed help you know like they were were, I saw their struggles like curbside pickups all this shit like our shops how are we going to pull this so I was like, dude, I don't really support the shops yeah, the way it, I should.
1: So we try to send them extra boards and stuff like that when they place orders. You know, right. we try to, as much as we can. We understand that, like a couple of extra boards here and there, or anything we can do to help. Because we're a small business too, in the same boat.
2: Exactly. Right? Yeah.
1: Like some of what we do, like, um, like my skateboard company's in like the second season of getting the ball rolling, right? So it's affected by you know, a close down of manufacturing and all of that stuff. Right. It's it's get getting in together, the woods hard right now. help each other out and do what we can to get through those things, right? So it's a two-way street with it, um, but the skate shops and the things that some of the skate companies are doing for the skate shops in them right now is nice to see.
2: Very. The classic
1: skate shop in Reno, they do a great job. Yeah, too,
2: yeah. Right? Like Sick one. Know, so. Yeah, Lottie yeah. has been doing yeah. a lot of cool stuff with, like, they did that skate shop program where they made graphics for all the, the different shops, yeah. and they made a shirt series. I'm down for all that stuff. I like it a lot. We did
1: that, we did that at fans with their custom culture thing, too. Right, the- yeah. I got the right. Grosso <laughs>
2: ones. That was cool. Did
1: we yeah. did a bunch of skate shops, you know, uh-huh. and all the small businesses that were affected heavily by, you know, the lockdown and the close of the manufacture. Yeah, I mean, um, which is awesome, awesome to do, you know. Mm.
2: yeah Um, 510 right here they they did a big vans thing um yeah yeah big love to the skate shops um we're winding out i just got a few more things i want to touch base real quick if you got this time uh one is um the skate rock trip you and i went on you actually fucking put one under your belt and jumped in the van from uh, i think it was was that one detroit to new orleans yeah right um, Detroit to New Orleans Detroit I think
1: to
2: to New Orleans was yeah. the last town well that was a big whirlwind right
1: I think it was bed bugs the first night <laughs> the very first night
2: was yeah bed very first night in the hotel Gate rock. it was <laughs> ins- oh man that was <laughs> an insane one Herman's <laughs> Hole was the
1: highlight you know what you're getting into when you go on that. Let's just say that.
2: Yeah. Did I, you? Did you? Did you think it was under or over what you expected it would be?
1: It was anything goes. I I was expecting everything I saw, but I was also expecting something that I hadn't ever seen happen at any moment throughout <laughs> the whole time. Yeah.
0: You
1: know, if somebody had said that a burning car fell off the roof the day before, then it probably did. Yeah. You know? insanity oh man um May- mayhem
2: <laughs> total mayhem uh also um I want to put you to thinking on this might be tough but I wonder if you were to put together a best of Jeff Rowley video part all the things you've ever filmed do you in your mind
1: know what the ender would be oh the last three yeah. but that that sorry pointing the pen I was going to say it was um, that's subjective
2: but subjective to you so what
1: you're, say, you're saying is like the end is the best so you want to know what I consider to be like the pinnacle or how
2: right? you want to end your part uh, to put end. the last memory in people's mind going away
1: okay um,
2: could be riding into the sunset or it could be the gnarliest thing you don't know
1: what it'll be is depends the music like this and then you won't know I said that very early on is that when I'm done up the mountains you'll never see me again oh okay that's, that would be a cool way to do it though right or the
2: or it fades to black and it just says dot 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 to be continued
1: and then it does but then it has to continue <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to leave people hanging like that that's a bummer <laughs> That's like a, royal. it's got to end with something coming, right? So unless I then filmed one hammer that I've never seen, yeah. because I knew, let's say you give me 24 hours right now and Uh that's it. And I have to put out the video part and it's going to get judged by the world. Okay. And I need the highest scores for my video part ever. I would go ahead and probably do the thing that I hadn't done because I knew I was going to die. So I, I, between the two biggest gaps the highest off the ground that I could possibly find
2: Heath Kirchart just do the fucking bobs or something like that that was insane yeah, in that yeah, video part
1: yeah what? that's exactly it that's yeah. exactly it. but okay. next is the best as they say right so I don't know you know the, the, the container thing that I did I think was the most dangerous thing that, I, that, that like I wouldn't want to do again everything else mentally I could like do again but I wouldn't want to do that again Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So probably that because I know what it felt like and I was in the skin and there was some things that weren't good and I just skated it anyway, right? Like it was moving and stuff like that. Like when you're standing on top, the things are moving and you can't see the ocean. I could just see the ocean. Right? Like, I don't want to do that again because it was quite far the gap, right? And so first go when you're like, I've got to go really fast to clear it. You're still like, I don't want to trip over my board. So I've got to go real fast, real smooth, and I can't break my foot to test it because there's a gap. So you know when you skate roof gaps, what's fucked up about them is you can't practice your run up speed. You know when you ride towards stairs, a dude will when he's going to ollie 15 stairs, which you've seen dudes ollie like massive stairs. They ride towards and go, okay, that's the speed I need. I got it. And then they back off and they know exactly where they need because they can see where they need to go. You can't do that on roof gaps because you can't go right to the edge of them, standing up and project your body across them because you're standing on your board at that point. So you're standing up looking across it and you're 30 feet before you're taking off the end. So that, I wouldn't want to do that again, you know? Yeah. But I would still wish that I'd done a bigger one. You know what I mean?
2: You're always gonna.
1: i probably got killed but that's that's where my brain goes. I, I like I'd love to I'd love to look back on life and go, shit, man, I had a blast. But I never like you know never never stepped down from like the things that I wanted to achieve. Skating, you know, like I think anybody wants that peace of mind, right? Like I'm good, you know, with that. And uh, so that's it. I would. I'm the dude that there's no last part. First part, first, last, the best. Like it first, the best, the last, whatever they call it. Um, yeah. To me, I think that every piece of the puzzle is just as important. When it comes to skate videos and skateboarding, I always felt like that. Good the more you highlight was like final last, unless it's like the dude's part is it goes there. I always, I always felt like you know, if you're in a video with other guys, everyone gets the same, you know. Like you're not making a video to highlight one guy. Yeah. Like blind video days, you watch that and went, oh, all. They're, everyone, they're all gnarly. They're yeah. all that good. And you've never been hit like that before, right? Yeah. Those are the videos I want to make. Right. Where everybody's equal, right? Everybody's equal. All There's the way no through. FF. And just because you can do a bigger handrail doesn't mean you get last part.
2: Well, that brings us to current, current status. Uh, you got the new board company. This might be a two-headed question or it might be a one-headed question and it's up to you. Well, I want, I want to talk about the freedom to skate, the boards that you're, that you're doing. Yeah. But I also am wondering if you want to mention at all anything about Flip or, or any of that.
1: Uh, no, let's just talk about what we're doing now. Okay. You know, that's the before. Yeah. You know, um, I'm stoked, Greg. Honestly, I mean, I, I, you know, I get a chance to create skate graphics and things that I enjoy doing. I enjoy doing it. I love doing it, and you know, I've been doing it most most of my life to some degree. You know, different aspects of it, whether it's videos or skateboard graphics or or, or whatever it might be. So it's been awesome just to be doing it without uh, creative hindrance and and with just an, an open blank piece of paper to come up with ideas that you know um, we can put through the board company. So it's been fun. I've been enjoying it. You know, I've been. Thinking about how to create video, video production for the brand that like has its own point of difference. Same with creating graphics that have their own point of difference and, a, and an, an aesthetic and a brand that acts the way it wants to act. So I've been setting a lot of that up. It takes a long time to open up accounts globally with a scalable brand. Um, I can't stress that enough that um, if you want to sell a a skateboard over in a in, in Germany right or in Australia or in Japan or China or Canada you have to open up those accounts so i've been spending quite a bit of time slowly just looking at the different regions on how best to distribute and how best to set up my company right but in the same breath the creative side of making all the products been awesome so i've been skating a bunch because of it on riding boards and graphics that like i always wanted You know what I mean? That I'm creating and when they're finished, I'm I'm stoked on them, like hyped on them. I want want to ride the graphics because I like them. Um, So that's been super fun. And then just slowly piecing together a team and building the brand step by step. Each season, adding what we can handle. We're a small business during COVID. And I dropped, my second season dropped like a week before the COVID lockdown, right? And And so you have the manufacturing drop of four months. You know, of like everything shuts down. So, um, but that being said, um, you know, the, 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 the graphics have been received well. People psyched on them. The seller has been really good on them. Sick, dude. And I'm stoked on that. So people are responding well. The customers are, are stoked on the boards and they're selling. So I'm stoked on that. Happy okay. And then.
2: Um, Is Pedro you know, on work, the team?
1: We've been working on a video and, and it's kind of. Pedro came out here about about three months ago from Brazil, right, as the lockdown was happening, and he just, like, quickly dipped down, get out quick to go skate so that he can skate for a few months. Mm. And so he came out, and we just started skating and started filming and just decided we'd keep filming, right? And we had plans to put out a board. I've been talking to Pedro for a little while about doing, like, a guest board or a full full board. And so we're launching kind of that first board now, but because of the COVID, it kind of got stretched out a little bit. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, we we launched this board like a week ago, and that was a hand screened run of Made in USA screened boards, and then the full production is coming right behind that. There's a little bit of a lapse in between the middle of that, so we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be seeing things come out, so we'll let those things come out, right? But we've been working on the video, and it comes out the end of September. Pedro's been filming a bunch, and uh, and we just want to make some that just shows like people skating and shows a little bit more of the less of a production and more of a, we're just filming everything in the van, just filming everything that's going on and let's, let's see what it it looks like at the end of that. And so we're getting to that point where we're starting to piece that together and look at that. So I'll know a little bit more about where that's going tomorrow, Ah. (laughs) Tomorrow. (laughs) because I'm doing a bunch of a review check of a bunch of the footage to see where we're at. Okay. So I'll, I will answer your question a little bit more in a couple of days, but right now he has a board on the brand, right? He has a board on the brand, and and I'm I'm honoured that he was stoked to do it. Like I've been a fan of Pedro, right? Like when I when I rode for Vulcan I traveled with Pedro yeah. a lot, and it was good. How can you, you know, not I young be? A kid, I always related to the way that he skated.
4: You know, oh, like man. not me
1: as a young kid, but when I watched him come up, I went, yeah, I like the way that he skates. You know i like the fact that he just every time he drops in he just shocks you and your jaw drops down right so it's a it's a homey thing as well where like hey let's just skate and put out a video and go from there and that's all it has to be that's that's what i'm trying to remind myself oh, cool. too creatively is is take baby steps and enjoy every step of it you know and that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. Yeah, so we have a video so i've been filming a bunch like I said, since lockdowns, so all that footage will be in this video. The video is called "Free Dream," and there's going to be more than one part to it. Is
2: huh. is there okay. any other people you want to mention, or is it all a surprise? I'm in the video,
1: but I'm not mentioning them right now because it's coming out like a little bit. Right? That's how how cool? Okay. When when you click the stop button, I'll answer anything you want. Excellent. Right? That's the fun of it, right? And that's the, that's the part of it that I enjoy, right? finding riders that are good and finding blocks guy that maybe didn't have the support that they had before finding them the right house so that they can be everything they can you know and that takes time to do you know that takes time to do and and uh and so those steps you know those steps are moving forward and this video you'll see a little bit more more skating and video and more what's happening going on okay you'll see more and more Right? Okay. that's how you want. That's what I want on a skate video. Just keep each season. Just keep keep me guessing, but keep me creating, but keep me on brand. Yeah, right? keep, keep
2: That's the thing. Yeah,
1: but we do we do have, we do have riders, right? And, and they will be announced, right? So that's what I will say.
2: Excellent, man. Looking forward always to that. Bad. It's always good to have things to look forward to. I'll I'll tell you that. <laughs>
1: skating right like when you find like dudes that rip right that like have all all, that that talent that's there i just want to see it come to fruition as a skate fan and if i can help that by like you know the amount of video production that i've been involved with right like my skate videos we've made basically you see it works like it's you know curating a video part or making a video part it's just documenting the stuff that you enjoy or that you like to do and if you want some of it to be less for like less kind of pushed. that's up to the skater sure right half of his video card can be lazy and the other half can be hammers like you can't tell somebody how to skate with that but if you see talent and you see that if you pull the bits that everyone's already seen and put them together and they make something special like that's what i'm looking for in riders you know guys and girls i'm looking for something within that that's special you know and, uh, and they're out there, you know, the talent's out there, and I think also there's a lot of I don't know, maybe there's a lot of people and riders and people that might want to ride for a company to to give them the opportunity to do something different. And from a creative standpoint, like I haven't set any any fingers down, right? I can go any direction right now. I can full steam ahead, right? Or I can just take baby steps.
2: I think With that's that? what we need, a hundred percent. I like you know, hundred percent. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, MJ, there's a lot of guys that are kind of like in that same boat. Yeah. They're like, I don't want to have to do this or that. I want to do this. And no one's going to tell me no.
1: Because
2: yeah. I'm the guy of my deal. So yeah. you want to ride like this? Come on, let's go. Yeah,
1: But well, I'm looking forward to doing more video because that's the stuff that you know, I enjoy doing, like making video parts. For them to get. But I'm looking forward to doing that for the board company. Big yeah. time. Uh, right? like I've made videos for the other companies I was with before with Flip. I've made a ton of bands videos now, three or four video parts. Yeah. So I want to do a catalog for the board company and that will make me, that will stoke me out. So that's a huge, like, getting me fired up. Is like, you've never made a board company video since those Flip videos, right? For a board company. Right. So these, it's special. It means something to me. And I want to make sure that the video that we put out is fucking sick. Sick as fuck. Right? 110%. Full speed death all the way through with a smile. Right? Yeah, man. But just skating. Just skating. And hopefully positive skating. And, and uh, you know, get what we got from the videos that we were growing up, which was just fire.
2: Well, I know if you're stoked on it, I'm going to be stoked on it. That's for sure.
1: You're going to be coming on some of the trips. You need to come down and film with us
2: for a little bit. Yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. That'd be really cool. I, I was going to hit up... Uh, jamie or somebody at vans and i yeah. think we could do a little giveaway here um i was wondering if you would want to come up with a concept on how we give away a pair of shoes okay
1: you mean a question or something like
2: that a- or anything or they contribute a photo or like a question or like anything
1: i don't know top of my head we can give a board away as well if you want sure you if you want
2: Oh, we'll insert it right here we'll think about it and we'll go to hey guys we have decided that if you do this and then go to that and add this you might get that
1: what doing it, Craig. How, how do you do it
2: you can email me at talkinschmidt at gmail.com and you could list Jeff Rowley's first landed trick in the Vans video
1: okay no he here we go. Here's one. What about this
2: one? Okay. First Thrasher cover that I had. What was it? Where was it? Email talkinschmidt at gmail.com what Jeff's first Thrasher cover was, and you will be put into a hat that we will pull a winner out, and you'll get. We're going to decide whether you're going to get the whole grand prize, or we might have two winners where one gets a board and one gets shoes. We'll figure it out. But this is all on the fly, and uh you might want to fucking submit your answers ASAP because we'll announce it the week after. So, yeah, there's our first giveaway ever. My first giveaway.
1: We 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 don't know what shoes you're gonna get, but man, they're gonna be tight. Yeah, and no, board, you can you, know you can pick going to them. You're gonna get this board, right? Oh, sick. Here, post it note. It's gonna say drag on it" right here. And when he sends me the winner's address, we'll we'll ship it to them.
2: Uh huh. Right? And is it pronounced freedom or free dome Free-dome. free dome? Okay. Yeah. Free dome. Hell yes. All right, man. I think we really covered so much ground and we could talk for like six more weeks and still have six more weeks to talk. Cause fuck dude. skateboarding's well, your well, life. Well, and we well. obviously, you know, goddamn.
0: Hey, I love you, Jeff.
2: I appreciate that. You took the time out, man. This means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Um, The last thing we do is we fucking throw the needle on the record and we'd get out of here. You got a good song
1: for us? I I do. I thought of it right as I was coming in in, uh, this morning. Dag nasty. Okay. Million days. You know that one It's energy. So think of skating when you listen to it and it moves dag nasty million days.
2: Hell yes. All right, Jeff, have a good one. Um, Hopefully our paths cross sooner than later. I, I don't know when my next trip is going to be with all this. We're, we're kind of taking it serious. But as soon as I get the green light, I'm going south. So I'll see you soon.
1: Yeah, I'll see you soon. Hey, thanks. You have a wonderful day, man. Thank you, so, man. thank you, man. And take care. much love.
2: Okay, Cheers. <laughs>